Board of Zoning Adjustment to hear cases as advertised and docketed for hearing today. In accordance with KRS Chapter 61, this meeting is being conducted by live video teleconference. Members of the public were informed of the option of viewing and participating virtually or in person at the Old Jail Auditorium located at 514 West Liberty Street. Public notice has been provided and materials have been available for review by the public. The following rules are in place for today's meeting. Please silence all cell phones. Please be courteous and respectful to the board and your fellow citizens. Agendas and staff reports are located near the entry of the auditorium or online. For those participating virtually, chat messages are not part of the record and not monitored by all members. Please refrain from sending messages to the panel. If you have any questions, you may send messages to the host. Today's proceedings are being recorded. Anyone wishing to address the board must do so from the podium or virtually. Members of the staff have inspected each of the sites, which will be the subject of hearings today. There are time limits in effect for today's meeting. An accumulative time limit of 15 minutes shall be granted to all those in support of the request. An accumulative time limit of 15 minutes shall be granted to all those in opposition to the request. And an accumulative time limit of 15 minutes shall be granted to all interested parties neutral to the request. The applicant shall be granted a five minute rebuttal. The staff report and other presentations are part of the official record. If you plan on speaking, please fill out a speaker card as soon as possible. Priority will be given to speaker cards in the order they are received. Only those who have completed the speaker's form will be allowed to speak. The procedure for non-appeals, including conditional use permits and variances is as follows. The case number and a brief description of the request will be read. Staff will make a presentation. The applicant or representative will make a presentation and or be available for questions by the board. Any other person in favor of the proposal will be heard. Neutral parties will then be heard. These are people who are neither in support nor opposition to the proposal. Those opposed to the proposal will then be heard. The applicant or their representative will then have an opportunity for rebuttal. Usually, only one person will be allowed to speak in rebuttal. After rebuttal, there will be no further oral arguments, so please speak at the proper time. The procedure for appeals will be given when the case is announced. Board members may occasionally ask questions of speakers. Pursuant to KRS Chapter 61 and the board bylaws, the board's deliberations and voting today will be held immediately following the public hearing for each case and will be open to any interested parties. Any statement related to the cases, however, must be made during the public hearing. No party will be allowed to speak during the decision-making deliberations of this board. First item on the agenda, do we have minutes to be approved? No. Okay. Not today, no. All right, okay, thank you. First item on the agenda is 23 CU 
P0248. But before we move into that, I would like to take a roll, make sure that we capture um, the roll for everybody who's here. Horton. Here. Budorf. Here. Bozos. Here. Ford. Here. Howard. Present. Bond. Here. We do have a quorum. Member Leanhardt will not be present today. All right, I'd like to ask the staff to stand so that I can swear you in. Raise your right hand. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Thank you. All right, moving into the public hearing, 23CUP0248. Um, this is the first case on the agenda, and the request is that this case be continued to December 4th, 2023. Molly, you're the case manager. Molly Clark, Office of Planning Staff. Uh, this was not noticed correctly, so that's why it's getting continued to December 4th. Uh, the applicant failed to pick up the notices. Okay, and the applicant uh, is in concurrence with December 4th? Yeah. Okay. All right. Any questions for Molly? Thank you. The only question would be, is anybody here? Oh, it wasn't announced. On publicized at all. Is that what you're saying? It was sent on gov delivery, uh, but the applicant did not pick up the physical paper notices and drop them in the mail. Okay. Okay. So we assume no one's here for this case today. Right? I, I hope so. Yeah. That's, it might be someone that's all I wanted to ask. Yeah, the applicant's aware. Okay. All right. Well, Madam Chair, if you don't have yes. other speakers. Nope. Ready for a motion. Uh, Regarding 23CUP0248, I move that we continue this case to December 4th, 2023, for the reason as noted by Molly Clark. Thank you. Is there a second? Second, Horton. Been properly moved and seconded to continue 23CUP0248 to a date certain, that date being December 4th, 2023. We're ready for vote. Horton? Yes. Budorf? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The case will be continued. Thank you. I'm going to make a slight change to the agenda and move 23CUP0091, which is on page four of the agenda. Um, up in the proceedings, this is a conditional use permit for short-term rental of a condominium unit. That's the primary residence of the owner. And there is also a request to continue this case. Yeah, that's correct. Molly Clark, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South Fifth Street. So this applicant did pick up the notices, but dropped them a week before the hearing, which is not meeting the requirements for noticing. Uh, so this is going to be continued to November 20th. The, the new notices have been in the mail in time. Everything's been sent on gov delivery, so it should be on track for November 20th. Okay. All right. Thank you. Do we have anyone here that for this case? Okay, we have two. I have speaker cards for two for this this case. We need to know if they can come back on the twentieth. Since this case is being continued um, until November twentieth, I have a card for Ann Hammond and Judy Rosenfield. Um, are you able to attend on November the twentieth to speak to this case? Oh, ma'am, ma I, I would have to swear we you can, in if you're going to, you'd have to come to the podium, please. We can hear for 
from her, but I don't think it can be part of the record. Okay. So okay. anything that she says, if she wants it to be part of the record, we'll, we'll either need additional testimony at the next meeting or something in writing. Okay. Well, I just want some information. Uh, it says on here that uh, he had permission from the condominium association. He has not, there has not been a board meeting regarding this. No owners were notified. We, uh, so that is not true. We do with that now. I would suggest that she get with Molly Clark, the staff person, and Molly can attempt to answer any questions that she can based on the record that she has available. Um, and then she can discuss the process of this coming back before a hearing where if you still believe there is a discrepancy, you may dispute that in a public hearing. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, is there anybody else other than that? I'm ready. Is there any, anyone else who was planning to testify regarding this case? Okay, thank you. Madam Chair, if there's no one else here regarding this case, I would, uh, 23CUP0091, I move that we continue it to November the 20th, 2023, uh, based on the testimony given by Molly Clark, the case manager. Seconded, Ford. Been properly moved and seconded to continue 23CUP0091 to a date certain uh, being November 20th, 2023. We're ready for vote. Horton? Yes. Butterf? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. Case will be continued to November 20th. Thank you. <coughs> Next item on the agenda is 23 variance 0128. <coughs> the case managers, Amy Brooks. Amy Brooks, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street. This is 23 variance 0128 Ransdale Avenue variance. This is a request uh, for a variance from the land development code to allow an accessory structure to encroach into the side yard setback and a variance from the land development code to allow a private yard area to be less than 30% of the area of the lot. The side setback there is two feet. The applicant is asking for one foot. The private yard area requirement is 2,557 square feet and the request is for 720 square feet. Next slide. The site is located two blocks south of Grinstead Drive. The applicant is planning on hoping to replace a demolished garage. It will be replaced by 32 feet by 32 feet garage. That's two stories. The first floor will have a two car garage. The second floor will be an accessory dwelling unit. Um, the design of the pr 
proposed structure has already received a certificate of appropriateness from the Cherokee Triangle Preservation District that concluded that the proposal met the design guidelines for new construction. The applicant has also applied for an accessory dwelling unit review through the Office of Planning. This is the zoning map. As you can see, it is surrounded by residentially zoned properties. This is the aerial photograph that shows the site conditions, current site conditions there. This is the applicant provided site plan. Over to the left, you will see where the side setback variance is being requested. And on the right hand side, you will see where the proposed private yard area is going to be located between the principal structure and accessory structure. These are the renderings as provided by the applicant. The height of the proposed accessory structure will be 22 feet 10 inches. This is the front of the subject property. This, if you where you see the blue area arrows, excuse me, is where the accessory structure is going to be proposed. It's at the end of the existing driveway. And this is the rear of the principal structure. As you could tell by the renderings, the accessory structure is going to use very much of that same material. The requested side yard setback and private yard area variances are adequately justified for approval based on staff's analysis contained in the standard of review. Your actions today are to approve or deny the variance to allow an accessory structure to encroach into the side yard setback and to approve or deny the variance to allow a private yard area to be less than the required 30% of the area of the lot. Are there any questions for staff? Madam Chair, I have one. Amy, the staff report said that the, uh, the request to re replace the garage with, the, well, I should say the size of the building would be 32 by 22. Your presentation said 32 by 32, so. You're correct, it's 32 it by 22. 22. Okay. I apologize for That's that typo. Okay. I just wanted to be sure that staff report, if it was in the record, it would be what you presented. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Members, any other questions for Amy? I don't believe there are any. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, I have a speaker card for Charles Williams. <clears throat> Charlie Williams, 1626 Windsor Place, 40204. Swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth. I do. Thank you. Please proceed. I'm basically here just for any questions you might have. I'm the applicant. Covered very well, so if you have any other questions. Members, any questions for Mr. Williams? Well, it must have been covered very well. Thank you. Good. Good job. Thank you.
I don't have any other speaker cards related to this case. So, and I don't believe we have anybody online. All right. So that being said, we will close the public hearing and move into deliberations on the Ransdale Avenue variance. Members, any discussion on the two variances? One being to allow an accessory structure to encroach into the side yard setback, and the other from a variance from LDC code section 541D2 to allow the private yard area to be less than the required 30% of the area of the lot. Question, Madam Chair. Yes. Um, can these two variances be put together? Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm ready for a motion when you are. I just wanted to say it's unusual for me to be happy, happy with variances. Um, but I, I'm, I love the uh, design and I really uh, am thankful that he, they received the certificate of appropriateness for the new construction. Uh, I love good design and I just think this bit, the, the uh, garage and the house just couldn't look any better together. I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you. All right. There's no more discussion. We're ready for a motion. Motion, Madam Chair. Please motion. proceed. Yes. Um, this is Horton. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, make a motion to approve case number 23-VARIANCE variance 0128 which is the Randall Ransdell Avenue variance owned by Jason and Lisa Powell. This is for two variances, one from the land development code section 5.4.1.E.5 to encroach in a side yard. The second variance is from the same code, five from the same code and different section, section 5.4.1.D.2 to allow the private yard area to be less than required 30%. And the side yard setback requirement is two feet. They're requesting 1.0 feet in a variance of 1.0 feet. In the private yard area, the requirement is 2,557 square feet. The request is for 7 120 square feet, a variance of 1,837 square feet. My motion to approve is based on the staff review and, the, and, and analysis and the standard of review, all four areas, A, B, C, and D, uh, and the evidence and testimony in today's open hearing, um, and the support of the additional considerations of number one, two, and three, and the fact that they have already uh, uh, obtained a certificate of appropriateness from the Cherokee Triangle uh, Preservation District uh, and uh, properly gotten the approval for d demolishing the garage and the certificate of appropriateness for the rear addition. Thank you. I'll there second. Been properly moved and seconded uh, to approve the two variances associated with 23 variance 0128. We're ready for vote. Horton. Yes. Budorf? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. Mr. Williams, your variances have been approved. Next item is 23 variance 0130. Molly, you're up. 
Molly Clark, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street. Next slide, please. Uh, we are looking at a variance for a proposed uh, carport. It's going to be encroaching into the private yard area and it's going to exceed the uh, maximum rear yard setback. Next slide. So the site is zoned R6 multifamily residential. It's located in the traditional neighborhood form district. Uh, there's an existing one story structure. They did get a variance last year to build a second story structure that was approved. Uh, the applicant is proposing a prefabricated carport structure. Uh, the adjacent alley to this property is only 10 feet wide with a seven to eight pavement width. So it's very, very narrow, which is why the applicant is setting it back further than five feet. Next slide. So here's that zoning R6 traditional neighborhood. Next slide. Here's the uh, subject property. You can see that alley in the rear. It's very, very narrow. Um, and there are other uh, properties where the cars park further into the property to allow a wide enough turning radius to get in and out of that alley. Uh, next slide. Here's the proposed development plan. You see the existing home footprint towards the front on the right side. On the left side is the footprint of that proposed uh, prefabricated carport. And, and then here are the renderings of that prefabricated carport. Next slide. So here's that subject property. Uh, again, it's currently a one story shotgun home. Next slide. This is the rear of the property. This is, this is to show how narrow that rear alley is. It's also uh, constricted by a industrial building on the other side of the alley that does not allow for much movement and fencing along that other side of the alley. Next slide. Again, this is showing kind of how restrictive that narrow alley is. Next slide. This is showing another accessory structure on that same block that's set further back than five feet from the alley. Next slide. Again, this is directly next door to the subject property. We're showing people parking further away than five feet from that alley. Next slide. So staff finds that the requested rear yard variants and private yard area variants are adequately justified um, for approval based on the staff's analysis. Uh, the applicant is locate, locating that carport further away than five feet to allow a wide enough turning radius to back in and out of that already narrow alley with an eight to seven foot pavement width. Uh, next slide. So required actions today are to approve or deny the variance uh, to allow that accessory structure to exceed the five foot rear yard setback and then to approve or deny the variance to reduce the private yard area, which is supposed to be 20%. Uh, do you all have any questions about this proposal? I don't believe so, Molly. Thank you. I have no speaker cards for this case. You, Mr. Clements, would you approach the podium, please?
We'll get you to fill that out right after your testimony. Would you raise your right hand? Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Yes, ma'am. Name and address, please. Uh, Ramon Clements, 1446 South Hancock Drive, the street here in Louisville. Okay, Mr. Clements, please proceed with your testimony. Um, those are old slides. The house, my house has been renovated. It was just recently renovated. So the other hearing was for, he, it's a two-story home now. So the garage would be without, you can't see it from the street at all now if I put one up. And it's the, um, the nature of the way the lots were cut out. They did so much grading that in the rear by the alleyway, you have a drop that's almost four foot on one corner to the other corner. So even if I try to get anything closer to the road, you'd have a straight vertical embankment even trying to get into the garage because the slope is so steep uh, around the back edge. You have to get far enough into the backyard to where you can even drive into a garage. So that was another one of the reasons. I, it wasn't uh, a want to, it's almost like I was stuck with the way it was graded and the issue with the back lot. So there were two reasons. Yeah. To, uh, so it's not just the, how narrow the, the alley is, it's the fact that you can't put a driveway that close to the alley because the slope is so steep going against the width of the, the lot. Okay. And I, I did see that in some of the materials related to the case. So, but, so that, that's how that came about. Okay. All right. Uh, members, any questions or discussion for Mr. Clements? So, uh, Mr. Clemens, when you come out of the garage, will you actually turn around on your property and then so you'd be headed out into the alley? Or no, you, you're still backing into the alleyway. Just you need okay. that distance to even make the curve from a vehicle. That's if it's more than 16 foot in length. Yeah, you need all that space. So you'll run into the fence. The fence is directly against the asphalt of the of the um, alley. I do. So there, there's like no space at all there. Thank you. Any other questions or discussion? Don't believe so. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I don't have anyone, anyone else signed up to speak to this case. So at this point, I'll close the public hearing. We'll move into deliberations. Members, any discussion on 23 variants 0130? Madam Chair, I understand the reason for the uh, variances. It's just that I will have to depend on these members who are construction people to help me, I mean, help me with my decision. All right. Is there something specific you'd like to know? Um, no, I just want to know what you all think in terms of like, because I, I didn't realize that there was a slope. Um, so I'm assuming that for all these years on street parking has been what everybody's done on that street. I mean, well, and I would think I would agree with that. Yeah, and I know it, this that is really a, a non-serviceable alley, and it's right. difficult at its best. Um, the guy that needs to be worried is the guy on the back side of the alley when someone backs out and hits him. But if he thinks he can get in there, I don't see a problem with it. But he needs to move it forward in so he can change the slope so that he can have radius to turn in. It, it looks okay to me. That's what I wanted to hear. So the requirement I needed a, a yeah some ex, an expert to speak. So the requirement and the request appears to be reasonable. Yes. Okay. Thank you, members. Any other discussion? If if there is, is no, oh, is this a, I'm sorry. Sorry, is this a um, 
two. We can do two for one. Yes. Yes. All right. Ready for uh, a motion, Madam Chair? I'll go ahead make a motion. Please proceed. Forward. Um, regarding case twenty three variance um, zero one three zero uh, located at fourteen. 46 South Hancock Street. Um, I make a motion that we approve the two variances uh, to allow the um, accessory structure to exceed the rear yard setback um, and then the variance to reduce uh, the private yard um, setback from 20% to 11% as stated on the um, staff report. And I base it on the staff report findings and the discussion at the uh, hearing today uh, and the testimony that we've heard from the uh, applicant as well as um, Ms. Clark or Molly. Second. Moved and seconded to approve 23 variance 0130. Ready for vote. Horton. Yes. Budorf? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. Mr. Clements, both variances have been approved. Thank you. Next item is 23 variance 0138, 1516 East Breckenridge Street. Amy Brooks, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street. This is 23 variance, 0138 Breckenridge Street variance. This is a request for a variance from the Land Development Code to allow a principal structure to encroach into the side yard setback. And also a request for a variance to allow a principal structure to encroach into the required front yard setback. The side setback in this area, the requirement's three feet. The request is 0.7 feet. The front yard setback requirement here is eight feet as determined by infill. The applicant is requesting 5.4 feet. This is located along East Breckenridge Street near the intersection with Baxter Avenue. The applicant is proposing a renovation of an existing one-story home. They will do that by adding a second floor addition. The existing home already encroaches into that side setback, so the second floor um, addition will add to that nonconformity. The two-story porch will also in encroach into the front yard setback. The applicant has provided consent signatures for requested variances from adjacent property owners. This is the zoning map. It is urban neighborhood as the other properties are around it. Over to the right, you see Baxter Avenue and that commercial thoroughfare. This is the aerial photograph of the current site conditions. Please note that there are a number of properties along this block that seemingly encroach into that side setback as well. I'll stop you for just a second. Can we zoom in on that a little bit? While we're on that slide, instead of having to go back, sorry, Amy, is that okay? Did you have a question? Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see it. Okay. Yeah. So, 
in reference to the actual front porch, this, this slide, there's reference to the staff report that other houses are ranches and that you don't see the need to let it come forward. Is that correct? Is that They're right? all one story. And so the request to come forward would be over the porch is what I'm trying to see here. And I, I will cover that a little bit more okay. into my presentation and give you yeah. an angle view of okay. the street. Thank you. This is the applicant site plan on your upper right side is where the side setback variance is being requested. That is the closest point to that side property line at the bottom outlined in green is that front yard setback area where their two story porch is being proposed. These are the applicant provided elevations. You see the two story porch and the side the renderings for the addition on the side. These are the, this is the front of the subject property. To your left is just the front door. The right is showing more of that area that would see the encroachment of the two-story porch. This is looking eastward toward Baxter Avenue. The site location has the blue arrow above it. As you can tell, most of these homes do not have front porches. They have stoops and steps. And this is looking westward along East Breckenridge Street. This is the rear of the principal structure. The blue arrow is pointing to where that side setback encroachment would be. And then over to your right is the area of the side setback Variance as well as looking from East Breckenridge Street toward the property. The requested variance for a side set side yard setback is adequately justified for approval based on staff's analysis contained in the standard of review. However, the front yard setback is not adequately justified for approval. Many of the properties on this block face are single single-story homes with no front porch. So your required actions today are to approve or deny the variance, to allow a principal structure to encroach into the required yard setback, to approve or deny a variance, to allow a principal structure to encroach into the required front yard setback as determined by infill standards. Are there any questions for staff? Amy, you said most of the homes have stoops. A, in the area. A, a large majority, but there are some whose porches encroach, uh -huh. but not to the magnitude of this request. And I saw no two-story porches. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Thank you. So it's not that the first floor porch would encroach, it's that the second floor porch would encroach. Well, if there were only a first floor porch, that would be allowed to encroach all the way up to the right of way as long as it occupied no more than 33% of that public realm, because this is a traditional neighborhood. So there is an exception for, for front the first yard. floor. Yes, it, porch, the difference. For the first floor porch. Right. The difference is, is because it's a two story porch. Thank you. Question? <clears throat> yes. Excuse me. Um, it said that they, they either had got some consent signatures. Do you know how many? Every adjoining property owner signed. Uh, all four sides then, or yes. just 
Yes. All four sides. Because they had hoped to go on a public hearing, but this wasn't eligible for a public hearing based upon which types of cases we can hear in the non-public hearing. Sorry. It, they thought they could go on non-public hearing, but they weren't able to because of the case that it is. But they were able to get consent from all of those adjoining property owners. Hmm. Thank you. And that, that consent applied to both variances? Yes, that was the site plan that was provided to those property owners. Okay, thank you. Members, any other questions or discussion for Amy? Don't believe so, thank you. You're welcome. I have a speaker card for Victoria Sanders. Good afternoon, Ms. Sanders. Hi. Did you raise your right hand? Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Yes. Name and address, please. Victoria Sanders, 1516 East Breckenridge Street. Thank you. Please proceed. Um, here to answer any questions, but also um, I got the design inspiration for this house from a house around the corner. It has a second story porch and on a neighborhood walk, walking my two big dogs, um, we noticed it looked really attractive. It was on a street that had mainly single story shotguns as well. So um, similar to our street and the aesthetic was just very appealing to me. Um, I like the idea of sitting upstairs, um, looking out on the local community, but not being downstairs and having some local riffraff that sometimes walk by feeling a little um, encumbered. So I like the idea of sitting upstairs and, and watching the world go by, but it's purely aesthetic. Members, any Questions for Ms. Sanders? Oh, also, I did get all the late local neighborhood signatures. We've all got very nice neighbors. Do you know the address of that house you were referring to? Yeah, I've got a picture of it in front of me. It's 1201 Hull Street. Yeah, do you have? Yeah. Love to see the picture. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you. I want this back or but have um, we, we need to keep now that. part of the record okay yeah. we keep this that's fine looks like we're going to <laughs> thank you I think give me a choice sir. <laughs> okay um, any other questions or discussions for Ms. Sanders so you have no intentions to enclose the second floor as far as living space it's going to no, all be open air porch if correct. you get this okay yeah thank you <clears throat> Okay, I don't believe there are any other questions. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I do do you have a question for staff for Amy? Is 
So the consistency with other structures, you know, basically stoops, maybe a few porches, no second story porches. Is that just within that block face? This, the picture that we just saw was for a two, two story porch, but it's around the corner. Correct. I, in that immediate vicinity, I did not see any two story porches. Um, I will notice that um, I did see ones that porches that encroached almost that entire like public realm, but I did not see any two story porches. Okay. And so there was a significant um, pattern of a separation between public realm, private realm. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, I don't have any other speaker cards for this case. So uh, if there are no other questions or discussion, I'll close the public hearing and uh, the board will go into deliberations on the Breckenridge Street variances. Members, any discussion? You had an opportunity to see the um, photographs that uh, Ms. Sanders provided as well as to hear the testimony from um, Amy Brooks about the uh, existing block face. And in this one, I would suggest um, when you make the motion, you probably want to take the two variances separately because the staff report had issues with the second variance. So if you decide to approve the second variance, you would need to make some findings to differentiate from the staff report. Thank you. Opportunity for discussion prior to a motion. I, I like the yeah. I like the design and and the, the idea, but I don't see where it's uh, would be objectionable. On the where it would be objectionable, I'm, where it would be bad for the neighborhood. <laughs> say that again. I'm sorry. I don't see where the addition of the second floor porch, as long as it's opened. Uh, would be uh, objectionable uh, for the neighborhood, especially since there is one around the corner and, you know, it may encourage another one or two along the way. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that it looks like to me from when I pulled the picture up, that's obviously a rehab. The house has been rehabbed. It's not. So somewhere along the line, it's either got approved or got done without being approved. But it's been there and it, and it appears to me, in my opinion, it looks great. I mean, it, it adds to the block face, it adds character, gives you that Charleston look. It, it just fits what I think a, a walking community is about and the connectivity in a community. I'm for it personally, but that's just my opinion. Um, I, I agree with uh, Commissioner Butterf. Butterf. <laughs> uh If this proposal is going to look like this one i'm in total agreement for it aesthetically it's pretty well i i think it's beautiful aesthetically because the front the the first floor porch is open mm -hmm. i mean you know you just you got the the porch there but there's an opening because you got to get to the front door i love it yeah, yeah i think it, it might give the uh, feeling of 
making the front yard area even deeper than it than it yeah, is. Yeah, it appear, it, it would make that, it appear to be not deep. You see these all over, no matter where you go, DC, anywhere. I yeah. mean, this is a typical yeah. look that you see. Those houses were built with a different budget in mind at the time. They didn't do those things. Now it certainly feels like it fits right into me. That could, and then is it activity between sidewall folks and the houses or? Mm-hmm, yeah. The only other thing I would say is maybe if it was not the birch color for the porch, it might even look. Better. I think they use treated wood on that. Treated wood, okay. Yeah. If it's if yeah. it were painted the same White. color as the trim. Yeah. 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 You want to put that in there? No, I just thought about. No. I mean, he gave me the idea. Who did? <laughs> Decorator. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it looks great as it is. It could be enhanced if it was yeah, more if yeah. it was more refined. Is, right. is really what yeah. the look is. But yeah. uh, I think the front first floor porch sold me. Okay. So so is that a motion, Lulu? Oh, well, let me see. I'd have to go against the staff report for for variance too. Yes. You you could use Based items on. A and C of the staff report, but you'll have to differentiate from items B and D of the staff report and the standard of review because the staff report had found that the proposed variance would alter the essential character of the general vicinity. So, uh, you could on the staff report for a and C of that second variance, but not B and D. We'd have to make some separate findings. Okay. Um, can I talk and think, talk my way through the? <laughs> yes. The, the yes. B and, D? Uh, and if you want to warm up by doing the first variance first, because that one you can rely on the staff report. <laughs> it looks like this. They're gonna depend on me for this one. <laughs> Um, Madam Chair, if there are no other uh, testimonies, nobody else speaking for or against, whatever. Okay. No, no, there. And will you no. close the public hearing? Yes. Okay. See how I don't remember stuff anymore. <laughs> uh, regarding case number twenty-three, variance zero one three eight for the Breckenridge Street variances at fifteen sixteen East Breckenridge Street. I moved, and I'm going to take them one at a time on the variances. I moved the variance from the Land Development Code section of 5.2.2.C from Table 5.2.2 to allow a principal structure to encroach into the required side yard setback be approved. And I based this on the uh, staff analysis, the staff presentation. Uh, I should say the standard of review of the staff analysis, the staff's presentation and uh, the testimony that we've heard today, that, uh, is that sufficient? Okay. Second. Oh, no, I forgot to put in the side yard setback requirement. Okay. You can may, may I amend? Okay. I just amend my motion for the side yard setback. Uh, the requirement's been three feet. The uh, request is seven-tenths of a foot, and the variance is 2.3 feet. Second is amended. All right. It's been properly moved and seconded to approve uh, the first variant variance to allow a, a principal structure to encroach into the required side yard setback. Ready for a vote on the first. Horton? Yes. Budor? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes.
side yard setback variance has been approved. Uh, now, is there a motion on the principal structure encroaching into the required front yard setback? Uh, Madam Chair, regarding the variance from the Land Development Code section uh, 5.1.12.8.2.8 to allow a principal structure to encroach into the required front yard setback as determined by the infill standards, um, I move that we approve the uh, request for the front yard infill, which is requirement is eight feet. The request is 5.4 feet. Uh, the variance is 2.6 feet. And I base this approval on that the, the fact that it, the standard of review is met under items A and D. However, um, the, uh, the request will alter the essential character Perhaps it will alter the essential character of the general vicinity because this two-story porch is the pro is appears to be the problem with our design. Um, our what do I want to call this? Is this the comprehensive plan part? I mean, this whether or not it alters the essential because it's not compatible. So well. Uh, it's just an opinion. Could she say that in my in my opinion, it does, it will not alter it? it? You could do that, but you could also reference the exhibit that was provided on oh, one holster. I was going to do that, but I wanted to make sure I, if I had to address a complaint or something, I, I didn't know if I had to or not. I, I, I just think you could just say standard this. review uh, B that you um, don't think it would. Right. Um, in item B, I believe that the the uh, variance will not alter the essential character of the general vicinity based on uh, there are other porches near the subject property, especially one on Hull Street that uh, was provided to us uh, by the applicant. And then we also were able to see it ourselves from the actual site. Uh, and um, it appears that it the aesthetics of the one that we saw that's similar in character to the uh, request. It does not appear that it will uh, alter the essential character of the general vicinity. The uh, the front facade of the home is consistent with adjacent or seemingly adjacent properties. And uh, uh, I do not believe they would affect the immediate adjacent properties. Uh, of the block face if it's developed similarly to what we saw in the uh, picture uh, of the property on Hull Street. Is that sufficient? And then the only other thing I would add is because you found that, then D oh, is also item D. Okay. Um, the requested variance will not allow an unreasonable circumvision of the zoning regulations um, because the uh, single story, well, I should say the first floor port porch uh, if similarly uh, to, the, uh, to the one that we saw on Hull Street, it will allow for the exception of the second floor not being uh, the same because the first floor openness allows for it to have a, a calming and uh, aesthetic effect on the adjoining properties. Is that enough? Yeah. Is there a second? I second the uh, motion from Ford. Oh, based it on testimony and evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I second it based on the testimony given today. Okay, thank you. It's been properly moved and seconded to approve the variance from LDC section 5112A2A uh, to allow the principal structure to approach into the required front yard setback. We're ready for a vote. Borden? Budorf? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. Ms. Sanders, both variances have been approved. Thank you. Next, we'll move on to 23-CUP-0274, CUP to allow a rehab home with a landscape waiver. Molly. Molly Clark, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street. That staff report has the wrong case number at the top. It's got the pre-app number, but it should be 274. Yeah, instead of 242. But everything else on that staff report is correct. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, let's go to the next slide. So we are looking at a waiver to not provide the 15-foot perimeter landscape buffer area, as well as a conditional use permit to allow a rehabilitation home. Next slide. The site is zone R7. It's in the traditional neighborhood form district. Uh, it's an existing two-story multifamily structure with 12 units, and it contains one or two bedrooms. The applicant is proposing a rehab home in this rehabilitation home in this entire uh, multifamily complex. It will hold up to 28 residents, and that's going to be women with children or women who are pregnant, and children will be part of that number, of the 28 number. Uh, there's going to be 24-hour supervision, licensed clinician, counselor, um, therapist, nursing staff, client advocate, unit manager, peer support, and they will connect women with the OBGYN and pediatric, uh, pediatrician and psychiatric services. Um, and there are no other group housing CUPs within 1,000 feet of this property. Uh, next slide. So here's that location, R7, uh, traditional neighborhood. Next slide. Here's the aerial of that multifamily structure. Uh, next slide. Here's the development plan. You can see the existing footprint of the uh, multifamily structure. Next slide. And then this is showing that 15-foot property parameter landscape buffer that the applicant is proposing to waive. Uh, as you see, the building and the pavement are all located in that where that buffer would be, so they would have to remove a portion of the building and parking areas to meet that buffer. Uh, next slide. So this is a photo facing the apartment complex for Mount Clare Avenue. Next slide. This is looking at the apartment complex at an angle and showing that existing off-street parking area that they'll be able to provide residents and staff. Next slide. Molly, I couldn't tell. Are those those cars that are parked um, like over toward the left side of the photo? Is that is are those parking areas? Um, that I don't think it was shown as parking areas. Okay, but there are twelve parking. Yeah, areas. the the spaces I counted were the spaces along where the the complex are. Yeah, right there where the mouse is. Okay. Uh, 
All right, next slide. This is uh, the homes to the right of the multifamily complex. Next slide. These are the homes to the left of the multifamily complex. Next slide. This is across the street from the multifamily complex, the existing homes on Mount Clare. Uh, next slide. So the waiver and conditional use permit are adequately justified for approval based on the staff's analysis in the staff report. Uh, the requested conditional use permit does meet all the requirements for a rehabilitation home. Uh, next slide. So required actions today are to approve or deny the waiver uh, to not provide that 15 foot property parameter landscape buffer along adjacent residential and then to approve or deny the conditional use permit for uh, to allow a rehabilitation home. And I put two interested party comments on your all's seats. There was one in support and one in opposition. Uh, those th those did come in before the deadline. I just wanted to print them out so you had it in front of you. <clears throat> okay. All right, Molly, uh, the staff report on page five of nine says up to 24 residents. Is it up to 24 or up to 28? Should be 28. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Members, any questions for Molly? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, Molly, on the drawing here on the uh, aerial, yeah. um, I can't tell the driveway between the right closest residence as you face it, it's on the right-hand side. And like the if fences, you're facing the complex, it'd be on the right from Mount Clare? The residence would be on the right. There's a driveway, it looks like, goes back. Is that black part a continuation of a driveway? Um, from what I saw in the photos, that, that driveway to the right leads to a dumpster on the side of the complex. So it's part of the complex property. Are you asking if it's part of the blacktop parking lot as well? Okay. That, that's all part of the property. Okay, thank you. Other questions for Molly? I don't believe there are any, thank you. Oh, I do have one question, Madam oh, Chair. Yes. Molly, I can't, well, I think it's probably already at its 100% in terms of, um, I just wanted to know what the uh, maneuvering area was past the parking spaces to the right. Oh, that driveway? Yeah. Um, it doesn't appear that that's supposed to be for traffic for the apartment. It's just a drive that leads to a dumpster. Right, but I'm with uh, Member Bond about those two cars that were parked on the side. I don't, I'm not sure maneuvering area would be appropriate if they parked on the side, which is oh, the drive. Yeah. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, parallel parking right yeah. there. Yes. Yeah, that wasn't indicated on the plan as proposed parking. So I think okay. that's a good question okay. for the applicant. To address. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Molly. You're welcome. I have a speaker card for John Baker. Good afternoon, Madam Chair. Good afternoon. To raise your right hand, you swear the, swear the testimony you're about to give today is the truth. I do. Name and address, please. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the board, my name is John Baker. I'm with the law firm Wyatt Turton Combs here in Louisville, Kentucky, 400 West uh, Market Street, Suite 2000, 40202. 
And thank you. Excited to be here on behalf of Seven County Services Incorporated, the applicant. Um, we are requesting a, um, a rehabilitation home at this existing facility. We are proposing no new construction with this application. Uh, what you'll see in the slideshow and what Molly presented to you today is what you'll see if this is approved moving forward. We want to keep things exactly the way they are, exactly as they are in the neighborhood. Um, just to get to your question, um, Board Member Howard, um, one of the things we did here in the neighborhood meeting was the existing facility is under served by parking spaces. Um, there's a collection of of residents there, and then I think you know with its proximity to the University of Louisville. There's some students in the area too, so there's a lot of cars that are parked. The majority of these residents that are proposed for this facility will not have a vehicle. Staff will, um, so we don't believe parking will be an issue um, on the on the property. Um, also, want to note <laughs> that the the conditional use permit case number on the slide here is also incorrect. So, uh, just for the record, it would be. Uh, 274 as well. Uh, thanks for mentioning that, Bali. Um, in here, uh, in attendance with me um, is Derek Priester, the VP of um, Addiction Services, who will speak to you about uh, who Seven Counties is, what services they provide, uh, and what they're looking to accomplish at this facility for women and women with children. Uh, there is a facility that they have nearby for men on Mary Street that we'll show you a picture of, also in a traditional neighborhood. Um, there was a member at our um, attendee at our neighborhood meeting who spoke up in favor of that facility. She was with the Schnitzelberg Neighborhood Association, and she said it was a joy to have them in their neighborhood, and we expect nothing uh, less for this facility, too. Also, Eric Post, uh, Chief Financial Officer with Seven Counties and, and Bethany Luther, as well as Chris Brown with, with uh, Bowman. Um, he drafted the plan, but if in, unless there's any questions on the plan, Chris is here to answer those questions. Let's go to the next slide. Um, I would like to invite Derek Priester up to speak to you a little bit about Seven Counties um, and, and put some information into the record about the services they provide and the in-demand uh, that there is for this vital land use in our, in our city and in our community. And I'll be back up to walk through some zoning slides and give you some contextual feeling of the property. You had the opportunity to fill out a speaker card, sir. Yes, ma'am. Eric said he may have incorrectly put the wrong number on there, but <laughs> look for a, a Derek Priester in there. <clears throat> Give us just a second. Okay, I'm not. I'm not seeing one, but so if if we can't locate that, I might have to ask it you. It looks to. like some in there, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number one. Two uh, seventy four. I'm going to change that to two seventy four. All right, uh, Mr. Priester. You raise your right hand. You swear a testimony you're about to give today is the truth. I do. Name and address, please. Uh, my name is Derek Priester. I'm the vice president of addiction services with Seven County Services, and uh, my office is 600 South Preston Street, Louisville, Kentucky, 40202. Please proceed. 
Um, this slide here is just a, a little bit about um, our overall organization. We serve the seven county region, Jefferson, Oldham, Bullitt, Shelby, Spencer, Trimble, and Henry counties. We provide a variety of services for mental illness and substance abuse disorders and, um, and intellectual disabilities as well. If you go to the next slide, please. In 2022, we provided 500,000 behavioral health services to over 25,000 individuals, children, and their families across that seven-county region. So mental health, substance use, and developmental disorders are our focus. Next slide, please. Um, in, the in the Addiction Services Division, uh, we provide a number of services assessment. We have a stabilization unit, medical detox, residential services for men, women, and pregnant women, um, recovery supportive housing, intensive outpatient programs. We screen particularly for fentanyl. Um, we offer Kentucky Moms case management, peer support, um, and a variety of, of occupational therapy for substance use disorders uh, through our, our prevention department. Next slide, please. Um, this Facility you see here is our downtown facility at 600 South Preston. In 2022, we provided throughout the division service to over 4,000 individuals with substance use disorders and co-occurring mental health disorders. So next slide, please. Um, a part of what we what we really specialize in is coupling housing with uh, treatment services. It's absolutely essential to have a safe and secure environment for people to, to recover in and to experience treatment in, particularly if you have um, young children. We focus a bit on parenting needs and whatnot as that person navigates their treatment episode. Next slide, please. Um, our recovery supportive housing really combines affordable housing with sober support services. So they are charged to rent. It's usually minimal compared to what you might see throughout the city. Um, but it also allows them to develop the skills necessary to carry that into the community as they move forward. Um, a piece of that is not learning just how to recover from substance use, but also to be a responsible member of the community in which you live. So. Um, we have a wide variety of housing options. They all vary in degree of structure. Um, in order to access them, individuals must be involved in a level of care. So, and typically that's on an outpatient level or low intensity residential. So next slide. We do offer a men's residential program. It's a 60 day Residential facility, the treatment is done on site. It is what you call an ASAM 3.1 level of care, which is a American Society of Addiction Medicine, low intensity residential services. What we do there is offer a lessening degree of intensity over time. People can work, they can, um, they can experience treatment and all the while as they venture out into the community, they have a safe place to come back to to process that experience. The idea is really to give them a spot where they can, um, where they can really build those skills and move forward. Um, we do not have a facility presently for women that is of that same level, and that is what we are proposing here. Next slide. We do have two primary women's programs. The first one is the Women's Addiction Recovery Center. Um, it is a 30 to 45 day residential program. It is an ASAM 3.5 level of care. 
and that is one step above what we are proposing. It is entirely residential. Residents do not leave site on their own. Um, it utilizes a number of different modalities, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, and as you can see here, the core 12 model, which is integrating a 12-step program with medication-assisted treatment. Um, our other facility is the Women's Renaissance Center, which is located in Shelbyville. It is designed to serve pregnant women suffering from substance use and co-occurring disorders. Women can arrive there during their pregnancy, but they can also deliver their child while they're there and um, return with that child to the facility to ensure that the child is healthy and has a good start with the bonding experience with mom. So, next slide, please. I believe that's all for me. So, that's all I have for you. Thank you, Derek. Derek will be available for questions as, as well as some other folks with uh, seven counties in case uh, the board has them. Um, I know we got a couple other slides to get through, so I want to make sure that information gets into the record. Just to mention that we did have a justification statement that's also in the record that addresses both comp plan policies and guidelines, as well as um, addressing the, the particular conditional use permit regulations that go with the CUP regulation. This is a, a Google Maps slide of an aerial that shows the St. Joseph's neighborhood around the property, 2412 uh, Mount Clare, and also to the west. Uh, to the right, you can see that larger corridor. That's Preston Highway, where Preston splits into South Shelby in South Preston. And then also, you can see up there where that connects with Eastern Parkway. Um, and then you can see kind of those blue circles on Preston Highway and also East uh, Eastern Parkway. Those are TARC stops. That's another reason why seven counties was looking for a facility of this uh, location so that their staff members not staff members but their residents could access transit um, to go to work um, and, and whatnot because they will not have a vehicle uh, let's go to the next slide please here you'll see a, a zoning aerial that kind of matches the the google maps aerial we, you see we are in a traditional neighborhood the property is zoned r7 there's a zoning line that hugs the northern property line. Everything to the north of that is R6 multifamily. Everything to the south of that is R5 single family. And we are just to the west of the traditional marketplace corridor that is Preston um, Highway. Can we go to the next slide, please? Here's a, a zoomed in version of that same map, but also shows uh, the high frequency park or transit that's available. Wanted to show that layer because that's important for walkability, connectability, and access to mobility. Let's go to the next slide, please. Yeah, here's the, you can see this is the property. Um, those 12 spaces out front are the 12 spaces that are striped out. Uh, we believe that's more than enough parking for this facility. There is that um, paved drive that goes to the back to the dumpster. There is no parking in, in the rear of the, of the structure. Um, you can also see kind of the existing condition here, which is another reason for the waiver. There is a waiver slide that shows that we are asking to um, seek relief from that waiver requirement because it is an existing condition. This was built out prior to the existence of that regulation. Uh, and so in order to conform to that regulation, we obviously could not on the side yards, and then we would have to dig up pavement in the rear. And there's also a 10-foot utility easement along the rear property line. So we believe the existing condition already meets the spirit because there is there is there are trees 
um, on the property and um, to cut some things down to start anew, we think is not warranted here. So we would ask that relief from the board. If the board uh, entertains that, please, we would uh, be much appreciated for that. Can we go to the next slide? Here's another front version of uh, the facility. Next. So here's the Mary Street facility, somewhat similar in, in, in appearance. Um, this is the facility for men's. Um, and this is also in the traditional neighborhood zoning district. Um, let's go to the next slide. You can see that uh, it backs up to residential. Um, so it is adjacent, similar to what we're requesting today on Mount Clare. Mary Street facility has a similar condition as it relates to land uses. Um, next slide, please. Here is a version of the zoning slide that, that shows the property you just saw there highlighted in blue. <clears throat> Everything to the, to the west of that is, is residential primarily. Those, uh, that property itself is, is zoned office residential. Um, so not too far off from residential. A lot of residential uses are within that OR zone. Here are some street view starting here on Harrison Avenue as it intersects with Preston. We're going to go across the street and down Harrison and take a left on the Mount Clare. Moving up on Harrison, you can see some other multifamily buildings before we take a left onto Mount Clare. Here's Mount Clare as a short local residential street between Parkway and Harrison. Um, this is the beginning of the, the northern side of Mount Clare. Moving into Mount Clare, you can see the facility there on the right. Um, just another street view to give you a feel of, of what Mount Clare is. Again, straight shot onto the facility from the sidewalk there. Next slide, please. This is south of, of the property looking north. The property there would be on your left, right past that tree cluster would be the parking lot. Let's go one more slide. There again, beyond those trees is where uh, 2412 Mount Clare is. This is the south part of Mount Clare before it intersects with Parkway. Here is our development plan. There's no new construction. Uh, the facility has eight one bedroom units, four two bedroom units. Uh, one of the eight bedroom units is proposed to be the office where staff will be. Um, we are asking for 28 residents to be the maximum. There's gonna be probably the majority of the time where might not even get to 28, but that's what the, the maximum that uh, we're asking for. That number does include, as Molly stated, women and children um, and 12 parking spaces. <clears throat> Next slide, please. Here is a floor plan of the one bedroom unit. Give a feel. And we have another one for the two bedroom unit. <clears throat> and let's advance to the next slide, please. Here is the breakdown for shifts and staff per shift. Uh, there is a notation in there that says at any one time there will be no more than four staff members. A slight adjustment to that because there will be a two hour, approximately two hour overlay from second shift and first shift. So there may be more than five at that time, um, but that will only be temporarily for a couple hours. Um, and then the first shift employees go home. You have second shift and third shift, but as the regulation requires, there will be 24 hour supervision of the residents. Um, can we go to the next slide, please? Here is the waiver um, slide. It's probably tough to pick up that green detail, but that is the border around the buffer area required by the code today. 
Um, again, because it's an existing condition, we're asking for relief from that. Here we go to the next slide. This is our sign-in sheet from our neighborhood meeting. We held our neighborhood meeting in August at our Mother of Sorrows, which is a, um, a church and school facility that's closer to Eastern Parkway, but it's about a block and a half away. It was well attended. We had a, a, a very fruitful meeting, I believe. There were questions and concerns. It was over a two-hour meeting, but the, the attendees there um, had a very civil conversation, asked questions, um, had some concerns, but also understood the, the need and the demand for this type of service that was needed. Um, so I wanted to show those that were in attendance to our neighborhood meeting in late August. Um, and this is just the regulation um, to show what we are, um, uh, you know, adhering to uh, C, which is the, you know, the, the proximity requirement. We were not aware whether or not we met that or not. Uh, Molly has confirmed that we do meet that. So we do not need any modification to condition C. Um, meeting all the other A through E. Can we advance to the next slide? F, uh, the applicable regulation would be R7, um, multifamily. Um, we are asking the board for 28 residents max here. Um, any building which is in a rehabilitation zone as uh, residential in design as we've represented today, we're not proposing to change one um, architectural feature of the, of the property. So that will remain as is. Uh, so number three is not applicable because there's no new construction. Uh, we believe the required parking is adequate to, to meet what is needed there. Um, we don't believe there'll be signage, but if there is a small sign or a plaque or something, it will meet the land development code. Uh, but we're not really proposing any signage for the use. Next slide, please. We're a little over on our time. And we're getting very much to the end here, Madam Chair. And uh, here is uh, the other regulations that apply to this application. Um, you know, just what is the uh, the residential, you know, who are the residents here? And as we have testified today, they will be women um, seeking sobriety. And some of those women will be with child and some will have children with them. Um, and we, we meet all the other requirements per the land development code for that. Uh, we also agree with Molly's staff report. We would ask the board to adopt that alongside with our justification statement. Um, and here to answer any questions and listen to anyone else who may be here to speak on this matter. Thank you for your time this afternoon, members of the board, and uh, we'll be here to answer questions. So the, the children are under a certain age? Five right? and under. Okay. Typically. Yes. Derek just nodded yes, five and under. Okay. Thank you. Members, any questions for Mr. Baker? Yes, Mr. Question. Mr. Baker. Yeah. Um, what are some of the mitigations that are noted in here to compensate for the variance request that you're asking for? Well, um, the waiver that we're asking to to uh, waive for the, the landscape requirement is that, you know, there are existing trees that are mature trees today that are in between structures, and we believe those trees um, would satisfy the requirement. Um, and there is, you know, pavement that goes back to the dumpster. We would have to dig up and replace the dumpster somewhere else. Um, there's also along the back property line, a 10 foot utility easement that we would have to get into to plant. But again, we think the, the existing condition today, um, would meet the requirements and provide a pretty good buffer as it is. Okay. That one slide I saw too, it looked as if there were 
um, shrubbery planted in berms or something in the back across there. Is that accurate? I don't believe there's a berm. There's not much space or, back there. Or beds, maybe, rather than berms. It's, it looks like there were... Another one, there's another slide that it's on ground level, and you're looking at the back. Is that the one you might be looking at? No, there's there's one in there someplace else there. There, right there. That I think that's it. That other facility, that was just an example of more. a nearby facility, the mayor or the Mary Street uh, facility for still not, men. It's still not it. You passed it once. That might that might give you an idea, yeah. Down low there by the sidewalk entry, mm -hmm. are those appear to be shrubberies planted along that area. Is that accurate? Are you talking about closer to the building or by the sidewalk itself or to the left? It looks like a sidewalk entry there from the parking area is what it looks like. And then the low green lines going to the left and the right appear to be shrubbery. That is a grassy area that's right in front of the main building. That might be what you're you're looking at. Um, I know on the very left side, there's kind of a small concrete retaining wall there too that's on the property line. Okay, that's all right. I'll find it in a few minutes. Thank you. Madam Chairman, I have a question. Please proceed. This could be a toss-up question for you or the staff, okay, for 25 points. I've thought about this often in the past, and I have never brought it up. Many times we're asked to give forgiveness and to amend things such as this, and it'll be because of existing landscape. Those are old mature trees that could be damaged by a tornado, um, you know, the wind or something blowing them over. Is, what happens when that happens? Are you required to put those back? I mean, are, the way it's written now, you don't have to do anything. So we're giving, and I'm not picking on you all. You know, I'm not, it's really a serious question. So what happens is, is there a mechanism in place, Joel, that they have to go back with something similar to what's there? For the existing conditions that exist right now, if a tree came down, it would not have to be replaced. They are requesting because um, they're requesting a change of use that requires a conditional use permit. There are landscape buffer area requirements that kick in. Within those landscape buffer areas, there are screening requirements, which may be provided as either a fence privacy type screen or landscape planting screen. There are also tree planting requirements. Um, the applicant has asked for a waiver of the, of the landscape buffer area as well as the planting requirements. Um, the board could use those existing conditions and stipulate as part of the relief from the waiver that any trees that fall, whether it be storm or voluntary, you could condition those to be replaced as mitigation for granting a landscape waiver. But if they fell right now, they would not have to be replaced. Again, it's, it's you know, we, we see fences, we see, we see hedgerows, we see a lot of things come up that, that we say, well, okay, we're not going to make you do it. This is good. This works. And I mean, they could come down the next day by choice or whatever. And then we've really neglected our responsibility of doing something to buffer these people. Um, maybe this isn't the case. Maybe it needs further discussion, but it was on my mind. I thought I'd bring it up. What about you, Lulu? What do you think? I never thought about it until you brought it up today. Um, 
I had an awakening. Okay, but um, I don't know. I just see so much beautiful greenery there now. Um, I don't know how many trees are there, but I did see all the beautiful shrubs and things. And I know they're evergreen, so they, you know, if they're properly maintained, they will stay. The trees, I hate to have to say replace an old, 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 old tree, but I know because it would take years to come back to where it is now. But whatever the board deems appropriate, I'm I'm with it. It's just that I had never thought about it because it was so beautiful. I was thinking it was going to stay. <laughs> And Chair Bond, if 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 I will, um, I think you all might want to ask two questions of the applicant. One, are there windows at the rear? Um, you know, are there windows that allow a view out into those rear yards? And the applicant did indicate that there was also a utility easement in that area. So in the event that a utility provider comes in, they could remove those trees. And we can't require that they plant in a utility easement because we don't know if they're permitted and the utility holder would allow it. Yes. One thing I failed to mention, which will help on the rear property line, there is a privacy fence in place along that property line. Um, on the north and south, which are the side property lines, are chain link fences. So, you know, as part of your deliberation, whatnot, if a tree or trees should fall down, you know, we could replace those, uh, you know, uh, the, the metal fencing with privacy fencing for screening. Um, but on, on that rear line, you know, and, and another thing too to consider, some of those trees that you see, the canopy, the tree actually might be on a neighbor's property. So even if those trees come down on a neighbor's property, still might be a reason to put fencing because even though it's not on our side, it might remove some of the screening or some of the canopy in the area. So just because the location of the, the structures are so close to that property line on the north and south line, I think privacy fencing to replace the chain link would be effective there. And uh, Bethany Luther, who's with Seven Counties, did just tell me that there's a similar condition about the tree replacing tree material on the Mary Street facility hmm. that we showed in the presentation. What, what is the requirement on Mary Street? I'm sorry. That should, you know, trees die or shrubbery die, that they should be replaced. Okay. Of what kind? Yeah. Or whatever. I what Lou was saying, it's not going to be instant regrowth, but right. at least an effort's made to to bring it back to the, the concept. So it looks like to me, and, and, and I'm going to defer to legal who's over there writing, but we need to have some sort of an agreement at some point that states that that they agree to maintain the intent of, the, of what's there. And so that if we ever get a complaint that some, I'm not just talking about this, I'm just talking about any place, that, uh, well, they cut all the shrubbery down, it looks horrible, that we've got some recourse to go back and say, you got to work with our landscape people and get this worked out. And that you agree to do it. That's the only thing. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree that that needs to be done. We need to put something in there as condition. I'm not sure how to word that, but to to try to maintain some type of perimeter perimeter of greenery i mean for aesthetics and for therapeutic value when you see children women whatever and they're they're encompassed with different shrubberies and trees and so forth that is a therapeutic value john do you have the wording or would you be willing to put that in a condition of approval Similar to what the other one is, I mean, 
I, th I think we'd be fine with that. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is, but we'll oh, put it yeah. in there, right? I didn't know of it until just five minutes ago, so uh, we can perhaps find that language with, with or, staff, yeah. or agree to work with the you know any landscape architect on staff to find replacement plantings, something to that effect. I can I can propose some some language and I'll have it written down by the time you all get around to making motions. Because my concern would be what if something happens to a tree that is not on their property? Yeah, I'm thinking that a condition would stipulate that um, all existing trees and vegetation shall be maintained on the subject property except for general maintenance. Um, should any tree um, die or need to be removed on the property, it should be replaced with a tree of a similar. Yeah. If necessary. If necessary, you could you could use your survey. Like, could yeah. you not? I'll write something out. Could you not use the survey and identify the trees if necessary? Large oak right on the property line, or large oak whatever, large oak number one tree, number two tree. You could ID them right off of the uh, property it, line if you wanted to get specific. It, it it sounds as though what Mr. Doc is saying is he would be available to work with uh, you, Mr. Baker, or Mr. Priester. On the language for that, and they've got a landscape architect too. That's here, yeah, he can work with them. You know, I think they're in front of the and here. just just for the board's um, education, we do not have a landscape architect on planning staff. Okay, I know. Let me refresh it. I've seen a lady come in here and tell us, like at car washes and stuff, that the plan has to be approved because there's yeah, so we have a, yeah, we have a landscape plan reviewer on our staff, but we don't have a certified landscape architect. I see. She had me fooled. Me too. <laughs> we, we all thought she was an architect. Yes, that's why she's gone. But staff would be available to work with uh, the applicant on the language for the for the condition. Okay, so uh, Mr. Doc also had two questions. Are there windows at the rear um, of the building? And is the utility easement an issue? There are windows on the rear of the building. Um, just what was stated earlier was accurate. I mean, it's a utility easement that is actually under pavement. It's concrete back there up against the the fence. And it, should we do any plantings there? You know, sometimes we plant in utility easements. It's just that if they have to access that easement, they have the authority to rip any landscaping out and then you just replace it after they finish, which, you know, um, I don't know how many times they might have to access their easement, sometimes never, um, but they have the right to get in there and do what they need to do to maintain their infrastructure. Same thing at your personal house. Okay. I don't see any trees in the rear, though. They're not, I mean, not between the building. Right. And I don't the see any trees you know, between the rear of the building and the next, of the like, if it is a tree, it's, it's probably on the property line of both properties. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are some on the, I guess that's the northern edge and the southern edge that could be likewise between the two property lines. Could we not do what what I've seen done before, which is have the applicant make the proposal as to what he's willing to do to, to do what it seems the board wants done, come back with something to say, all right, we will put a tree here or all right, we will put some shrubs here. I don't mean to stop you, but I believe what Joel has already suggested is appropriate. Oh, you may have to repeat it again. Maybe and, yeah, he didn't I, yeah, hear you. Repeat it if you will. Are you suggesting new 
landscaping and vegetation or preserving what is there? Because the condition that staff presented is more about making sure that what is there is preserved and replaced in the event it becomes diseased or destroyed by some event. Act of God. Yes. So that would that would cover. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what Joel was suggesting, correct? That's perfect. Correct. Yes, that's, that I think that's Thank appropriate you. for an existing development. Board Member Howard. Yes. And uh, uh, Madam Chair Bond, could I have Chris just put in some facts really quickly? Chris Brown about the back property line since he's been along the back property line. Three minutes. <laughs> okay. Oh, would you raise your right hand and swear the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? I do. Chris Brown. And address, please, Chris. Yes. Uh, with Bowman, 3001 Taylor Springs Drive, Louisville, Kentucky, 40220. Thank you. So along the rear property line, I don't know if you can pull up that waiver exhibit. It'll just be easier to talk to. Because then you can have the actual visual with it. But along that rear property line, there is a six-foot wooden privacy fencing that runs along the rear property line. Yeah, so if you go to the next slide, there's an aerial, I believe. That'll work. So along that rear property line adjacent to the residential, there's six foot wooden privacy fencing. And then on the southern portion of the property, there's three to four tree plantings that are on the actual property line or on, on the interior of the property line adjacent to that six foot privacy fencing. As you go to the north, as you get closer to the uh, dumpster area, the plantings exist on the other property, other side of the fencing. So there's tree canopy that shades both sides of that property line all along there. There's just three to four along the southern portion on our property. And then the other portion of tree canopy is on the adjacent residential portion of the property as you go north. And so there is plantings all along that property line. They just stagger between our side and the other side of the property line. Makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. But it gives a total tree canopy to the whole property right. line. Mm -hmm. And because there's an existing utility easement, it's 10 feet on either side of that fencing. So those those tree canopy are throughout that that easement. And then the the issue around the, the building areas, you've got pavement and building in the actual waiver or in the waiver area. So if you put plantings in those area, you're getting roots into the actual foundation of the building. And you're causing issues with the actual planting because of its spacing with the building. Yep. Any other that questions? Clarify? It's clear for me, and I okay. think that's also something we have to look at when we are looking at existing vegetation and putting in new growth for roots. I've I've got a problem at my house, so I know what yeah. <laughs> trees well, and roots will do. And along so the bottom and top of this either side of the building, the north and south ends of that u-shape there is tree canopy along there but they're on the adjacent properties because of that because yeah. the spacing between the building yeah, and I the actual right. property line doesn't allow for that root system right and and i think 
that Joel's suggestion is still appropriate. Okay, thank you. Okay, we thank only you. preserve what leaves, not that we have to put in new things, but but if something that's there, we just they just preserve and maintain what's there. If it goes, then then that's another thing, you know, where they can put it back. And I think he's got it, I mean, stated correctly. Okay. I just hope Mr. Whatever can hear. All right. Um, and we can restate it during the motion. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mr. Baker, one other question, uh, because I know that there was a question about basically, why was this the ideal location? So were there other locations that were considered for the rehab home? And you mentioned uh, the proximity to public transportation. Um, well, the, 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 what do you call it? the regulation itself, if you can look, contemplates that rehabilitation homes are located in any zone. And I think that contemplates the demand for these type of services that, you know, you can have them in single family, multifamily, office, commercial, um, and so, you know, one main thing about these type of vulnerable residents is trying to, you know, ease them back into community and, you know, being in a normal community is, is, is an ideal place for a facility rather than say, you know, having a facility in, a, in an industrial area or a residential area that might be, you know, far out where you can't access transit. Um, and, you know, here is a walkable connected area that has access to transit and also is by numerous employment centers where employ, you know, you can seek employment and work that is not too far from this location. Um, the seven county services incorporated did do a, a large look and this is one of the facilities that they did, you know, find and they were successful on, on acquiring it. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. Thank you. Thank one you. One more. Oh, go ahead. One more question. One more. Uh, the property is actually owned by Seven County Services. Is that correct? It is, sir. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. Any other questions? Yes. So, John, um, you know, I'm assuming that when you said it was a spirited meeting, that you know there were a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess I just have to ask. Um, there is someone from staff 24 hours a day there. I heard something about overlapping and something not be. What, what, and, and this may not be, so you may have to defer this. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, women with children, there's dads involved, they're estranged, there's situations. Um, was that a concern of the neighbors? Of um, they, they asked questions about who would be coming over or what are those type of visiting privileges for residents, but I want you, this board to have accurate information. So I would ask Mr. Priester to come up and answer that question for you. Appreciate it. Yeah. That was a specific question that was asked. Uh, maybe at the public meeting, I did yeah. see it in the materials. Yeah. Okay. So the question is on visitors, correct? Uh, well, mine's more so security. You know, you get, you've got a, a, a uninvited visitor. an uninvited visitor visiting, uh, you know, his wanting to see his other, I mean, if it's, if it's going to be a him if it's, this is a woman's place. Uh, coming wants to see his child or wants to see the woman or he's mad about not say, what, is there security? Not necessarily in the sense of like a security guard. We conduct supervised visits at our 600 South Preston Street and oftentimes with folks that are coming into our facilities through uh, our referral sources, oftentimes like CPS and whatnot, those visits have to be structured. 
So we do not allow visitors to just come up on property and be there. We don't do that at our men's facility either. Um, those visits have to be observed. They have to be arranged. They have to be pre-approved by staff. And then we typically do those down at our facility rather than on site. And that provides a little bit of safety for our residents as well. Just gives them a chance to kind of get out and navigate and, and meet the requirements for that. Sometimes they have to be CPS observed and they prefer neutral territory as well. So. If you've answered my question. question. Thank you very much. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Thank you. Not hearing any other questions, uh, and I don't have any other speaker cards related to this case. So at this point, we will close the public hearing and move into deliberations on the Mount Clare Avenue rehab home. We have a waiver uh, regarding the landscape buffer area and a conditional use permit is required to allow the rehab home. Members, any discussion? The two have to be taken separately. There's well, no, oh, go ahead. Madam Chair, uh, I did read both of the, uh, I guess, citizen comments. Um, and the one regarding the opposition, I'm, and I'm sure that the person understands that rehabilitation homes are also providing affordable housing. Uh, I don't think that they got that in the way they wrote it up. But these people, from testimony today, these people will be paying rent. So for me, that's still affordable housing. Um, I um, I guess I'm a, what do I want to say I am? I'm an advocate for Seven County Services, also for Dismas House. Anyone who is, is in the service of rehabilitating other citizens, and particularly since COVID, we have more need for people getting mental health, health uh, taken care of um, because of so much rage that's in America and across the world now. So I'm, I, I just believe that uh, this is a pro the, the conditional use permit is appropriate. I believe that the standard of review of, this, of all of these uh, in the analysis are appropriate. So I'm, I'm just ecstatic that seven counties wants to help more people and also provide affordable housing. And that's not the way people see affordable housing, but this is affordable housing for people who need it. And based on the testimony today, um, it was clear to me that we there is a need for this type of facility for women and children. It does exist for men. Right, okay. yes. And so this is, and I just think it's appropriate because men, yeah, men need it yes. because they got to provide for families and whatever, but women need it as well because they're the ones who are taking care of children, uh, their homes, and they also have mental issues. Uh, they come along with, I guess, substance abuse, but also it could be for family matters. So I just think it's totally appropriate and, it, and it's, I'm for it. I'm an advocate. All right. Um, are we ready for a motion? Oh, I'll Again, do it. We, we will have to take the two separately, the waiver and the CUP. Yes, ma'am. Madam Chair, regarding 23 CUP 0274 for the Mount Clare Avenue Rehabilitation Home, um, 
I move that we approve the waiver to not provide the 15 foot property perimeter landscape buffer along the adjacent residential properties of regarding land development code section 10.2.4. And I base this on this uh, staff presentation, the standard of review and the staff analysis on pages uh, two and yeah, just two, just two, page two for the waiver request. Um, this is not the, I don't have to deal with the, that, what they were going to do. We were talking about putting the condition yeah, on the waiver. waiver. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be on the waiver. Uh, or, or do we want to put it on the, put it on the CUP? Okay. That's what I we'll thought. That. That's why I didn't bring it up. Okay. Okay. And that's uh, my reason for the approval of the waiver. Was that uh, second, Bozos. The conditions on page nine of nine. Well, are, not yet, not yet, okay. not yet. That's why I, said, I held up and just did the waiver. <laughs> okay. All uh, right. Is there a second? Second, Bozos. Been moved and seconded to approve the waiver to not provide the 15 foot property perimeter landscape buffer along the adjacent residential properties. We're ready okay. for a, a ready for a vote. Horton. Yes. Butterworth. Yes. Bozos. Yes. Ford. Yes. Howard. Yes. Bond. Yes. The waiver has been approved. Is there a motion on the CUP conditional use permit? Um. Before I. Make the motion, uh, Joel. Could I get the the? Uh, thank you. And the oh, okay, good. Um, oof, you are working me today. Regarding the conditional use permit to allow rehabilitation home according to land development code section four point two point three one, I move that we approve the conditional use permit. Uh, I base this on the standard of review and staff analysis for con the conditional use permit and the staff's presentation, the applicant's presentation, uh, along with uh, correcting the uh, staff's uh, statement regarding the, the re facility will have up to 28 residents instead of 24. That was corrected on the record. Because it was corrected on the record, okay. And that, uh, wait a minute, I lost myself. I did say based on all of this on the staff standard of review for the conditional use permit, right? And that we approve the, the conditions of approval on page nine of nine with an additional conditional use, I mean, a condition of approval being that all existing trees or vegetation shall may be maintained including general maintenance should a tree need to be removed or involuntarily removed it shall be replaced with a tree of like kind during the next planting season uh, that's my basis for the approval of the conditional use permit second bozos it's been moved and seconded to approve the conditional use permit to allow the uh, the rehab home on Mount Clare Avenue. We're ready for vote. Horton. Yes. Butterworth. Yes. Fozos. Yes. Ford. Yes. Howard. Yes. Bond. Yes. 
the waiver and the conditional use permit have been approved. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that other lady, yeah. Okay, next item is 23 CUP 0072, um, the conditional use permit for short-term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. Jeremy. Name and address, please. Jeremy Chesler, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street, 40202. So this is 23 CUP 0072, Beulah Church Road, short-term rental. And it is a request for a conditional use permit to allow short-term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. Uh, this is per LDC 4.2.63. Next slide, please. Uh, so the case summary, this is in the R4 zoning district in the neighborhood form district. Uh, there are three bedrooms in the, on the property, uh, which would allow a maximum of eight guests. Um, and the applicants say that there are two parking spaces available in the driveway. Uh, the zoning map, so it's all residential surrounding there. The aerial photograph, Um, the site photo, this is just showing, this is a new uh, construction. Um, so that just shows you that it's a little bit set back from the street there. Uh, the front of the subject property from closer up. Adjacent properties, uh, top left will be to the left on Beulah Church Road and bottom right is along Beulah Church Road to the right of the subject property. Then the properties across Beulah Church Road. Uh, staff finds that the proposal is adequately justified for approval based on staff's analysis. Meets all standards of the conditional use permit. Uh, so the required action will be to approve or deny conditional use permit to allow the short term rental of dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the. Any questions for? Sure, like a garage. No, they did a so they did a minor plat and subdivided that property. Um, so it's on its own parcel now. Huh. So is it like garage on the first floor, unit on the second floor? Um, no, this one is just a three bedroom um, house. Okay, any other questions for, for Jeremy? I don't believe so. Thank you. Thank you. Chair Bond, can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. Jeremy, is this home constructed? Is it built? Is it ready to inhabit? Okay, it might be something we need to ask the applicant because there's a 30-day 
registration period. Yes. We will ask. All right, I have a speaker card for Chris Farmore. Good afternoon, Mr. Barmore. Good Raise your right hand. You swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth. Yes. Name and address, please. Chris Barmore, 1048 Addington Road, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Please proceed with your testimony. Um, to clarify about the house, it, it's, uh, it's on its own plot of land. We subdivided it, uh, built it. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a two-car garage. It's not an accessory unit, it's on its own piece of land. Uh, I'd like to kind of go over my reasonings for why we built the house and like, why I wanted the conditional use permit. So uh, I'm in remission for stage four cancer, uh, but I still have to, my oncology team's at Brown Cancer Center. So I still have to drive up here to visit with them uh, we had to move to Tennessee because of my, of my wife's job. Uh, and then also, like, all my family still lives here. And one of my uh, big regrets was that my brother, he was also uh, fighting cancer, and he passed away. Like, we were fighting cancer at the same time. And I didn't, I didn't get to see him very often because, you know, we lived far away. I didn't have a place to stay. So... After that happened, we made this choice that we wanted to build this house. We would have a, a place to come and stay to see family and for me to go to my cancer doctors. And uh, the conditional use permit is a way for us to be able to afford to maintain a home here and also maintain a home where we live in Tennessee. Members, any questions for Mr. Barmore? Well, first of all, good luck to you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, prayers are with you. Tell us who's going to manage this because of the Tennessee thing. I mean, you know, the distance. So the front house you've seen there, we own that house as well. And my sister lives there, and she will be overseeing the day-to-day -day, uh, operations at the house. She's your manager? And... Yeah. Um, have Do you have any other short-term rentals? Are you familiar with this? Does she uh, have any experience in it? Uh, we've done a lot of research and looked into it, but this would be the first one. I see. And if short-term rental doesn't work out, what will you do with it? We will we'll keep it. It's just, you know. You're just looking to help supplement? Yeah, just, like, we're not trying to get rich off this. We're just trying to help offset some of the expenses. Totally good. Okay, good luck to you. Thank okay, you. Thanks. Thank you. Members, any other questions for Mr. Barmore? I don't believe so. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, Mr. Barmore, I just wanted to make sure you did get a copy of the staff report. Yes. Okay. That discusses the, uh, the conditions um, related to registration, things of that nature. Okay. Okay. Does he understand he's got to register within 30 days? Okay. Because if... If this is approved today, you would need to register within 30 days yes. for the short-term rental. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Thank you. And yeah. and also you need to maintain registration, re-register each year. Yes. Or it could be revoked. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All the members are getting it. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't have any others. I have a question, oh, Madam yes. Chair, of yes. of uh, Jeremy. Uh -huh. I noticed that we didn't have a 600 foot map and I, is that going to not be a part of the staff reports anymore or is it just an oversight? Because I know that the item D in the staff report doesn't re say anything about it. I just brought it up because I didn't know. Right, um, so I believe at the bottom of those standards we're doing our findings a little different. So I think in there it states that there was no property within 600 feet, but that is correct. Uh, um, I, I thought I would, I didn't see anything that said it wasn't. Let me see. Page four of eight, I think is what he's saying, staff. They have demonstrated. Which one? Page four of eight at the bottom after the uh, L. It says staff, and he goes on into the, I just now saw it. Yeah. Yeah, should relief be needed, it will say so okay. first and foremost in the staff finding. Okay, just helping me out because yeah. I'm used to seeing other yeah. things. And right. we'll and we'll have the map in there. Should there, there should, should there, there be, be should there. there be issues? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I did. I did also notice an error on the staff report for the conditional approval. Um, it should state three bedrooms, which would allow a maximum of eight guests. I believe everywhere else in that staff report it was correct, just in that conditional approval. Thank you. you got the number right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Those I didn't read it appropriately. Okay. There are no other questions for Mr. Chesler. I'll close the public hearing and we'll move into deliberations on the conditional use permit for the short-term rental of the dwelling units, not the primary residence of the owner. Members, any other discussion? Any further discussion or questions? Or are you ready to make a motion? So the condition needs to be changed to maximum of? Up to three bedrooms with a maximum of eight guests. Eight guests, okay. Okay, Madam Chair, I'd like to make a motion. Please proceed. Thank you. With regard to case number 23 CUP 0072, short-term rental at 8602 Beulah Church Road. I move that we approve the conditional use permit to allow short-term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. I base this on the staff findings and the testimony and discussion, and I wanna bring attention to the conditions on page eight of eight and make a correction that there will be a maximum of eight guests allowed at any one time. Three bedrooms. Three bedrooms with Maximum of eight guests. Lula Howard seconds. It's been moved and seconded to approve the CUP to allow the short-term rental at 8602 Beulah Church Road, um, subject to the conditions of approval. We're ready for motion. Horton. Ready, ready for a vote, I'm sorry, ready for a vote. Horton. Yes. Budorf. Yes. Fozos. Yes. Ford. Yes. Howard. Yes. Bond. Yes, Mr. Barmore, the conditional use permit's been approved. <laughs> All right, members, um, do you need 
10 minute break. Are you ready to plow on? We have three more cases. Wow, baby. All right. <laughs> Next item on the agenda is 23 CUP zeros. Okay. You want to take a break? We'll take something to drink. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a 10 minute break. Way to go, Brent. Messed everything up. Rolling along. They forget we're older people. Yeah. <laughs> forget we're older. We have sometimes go to the challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that.
questions come up? Yeah. In a quarter, this, this is every her, one you identify. That's right. This is her older son. I've met her younger one. Who's old? Okay. And they just got he just got married. Good looking couple. Yeah. Prettier, she's prettier than he is, but thank God. But he's nice looking. <laughs> but he's a good looking guy. I know. But he's not supposed to be pretty. And if you talk to him, he wouldn't want to hear pretty at all. When was when was the marriage thing? Like a good couple, a handsome couple. Local? They do. They local? Go anywhere. Oh. How old are they? Everybody's six years younger than me. <laughs> Everywhere I go. Rotary Club many years ago. I was, Are you the one downtown? Tell this guy, look at him. Look how young. Everybody's younger than I am. You know, the guy that taught me this business, he's been in Rotary. Elmas Ussery. Sure, I know. For the general? I do, sure. The general, yeah. Yeah, she built. I work for it's where I learned the business. Really? Was it? Elmer says Sussery. Elmer General. No, he's been gone for about 15 years now. He was an adjutant general. So when we went to DC, we got to go in the Pentagon. We Dick Cheney was in there. We went right to his office. I mean, it was a little deal. No. So Elmer was like a dad, second dad. We had a couple dinners with him. My, my partner was in practice was professors in clinical work and she Elmas were good friends. Elmas oh, built her house. Who was it? So uh, Teresa Wood was her name. So uh, Teresa said, I'm having a dinner and I've got Elmas coming over. He's my, he built this. So my wife and I went out and had dinner. We've been Elmas. MC. MC. As his wife, MC, Mona Catherine. MC. Was the only need to be on the agenda, but we need. I had that relationship. I was very honored to be a Paul bearer. Mm. Always, you know how they do.
psychotherapist. I had a practice. I had a private practice for 20 years. Thank you. I'm going to be doing. Hey, yeah. Oh, she did. I don't know if you're mad at her. No, no, no. I told her no. I told her no. I brought her home. <laughs> yeah, you could OD on that for sure. Yeah, I was in the Balmer Junior Director. I believe it actually 25. Walk up in uh, Bowdoin County? Uh, no, here we have people who's here. Eddie? I go to school with, I mean, school, go to church with little Eddie. Matter of fact, they did my dad's little one, it's my brother in law. No, little one, uh, what's my, I'll think of his name. Wait, a real pretty wife who got like this. Chris? Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't been going like I burned this, which is behind me. I've been increased and they've got a... I know Chris would. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, you know, remember the night he was born. <laughs> you know what that means? Between Sorry. between the bombing. That's awesome. a true story. Our shops in Peeney Valley. I'm gonna build more houses because it takes it takes two more. I do a lot of room bombing. But uh, it was close to my office out of way. By the time he got the price folder, he changed his mind. But I did have to look and at the him. work involved. I know I had to look at him and look at him. And the problem. Did you bring your work home with you? 
<laughs> you ain't know how to take it. You'll get the originals. So it's worth taking. We're ready to resume the meeting. Next item on the agenda is 23 CUP 0087. Short term rental of a unit that is not the primary residence of the owner on Shelby Street. Amy. Amy Brooks, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street. This is 23 CUP 0087. The Shelby Street short term rental. This is a request for a conditional use permit to allow short term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the host owner. Sorry. And the site is zoned R5 in the traditional neighborhood form district. It is located 1 block east of South Preston street. The dwelling unit on the subject side is a single family structure that has 2 bedrooms. That will allow for a maximum occupancy of 6 guests. <coughs> the parking there, the LDC credits the property with 1 on street parking space. And there seems to be on street parking. In the area as well, there is also a rear parking pad that would allow for guests to park. This, the technical review, the standards for the short term rental ordinance were passed on September 28th by Metro Council. This is the zoning map. It is R5 and it is next to the commercial corridor, which is present on South Preston Street. This is the aerial photograph of the property itself. As you can tell, there is a rear parking pad in the back and you can see that on street parking that I mentioned earlier. This is the front of the home where you see the yellow arrow. This is looking northeast along South Shelby Street. And again, look for the yellow arrow. That is the principal structure. And you can see on street parking on both sides of Shelby Street. This is the rear parking pad as mentioned earlier. The proposal is adequately justified for approval based upon staff's analysis contained in the standard of review. And it meets all standards of the conditional use permit for short term rentals. Your required actions today are to approve or deny the conditional use permit to allow a short term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. Are there any questions for staff? I don't believe so at this at this time. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. I have a speaker card for Matthew Shadowin. Shadowin. Raise your right hand, please. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? I do. Name and address. Matthew Shadowin, 4104 Gloucester Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40207. Please proceed with your testimony. Yes. Uh, Good afternoon, uh, Madam Chair and members of the board. Uh, my name is Matthew Shadowin. I own the property 2222 South Shelby Street with my partner, Lee Weiner. He's seated in the gallery behind us. Um, we are applying for a um, conditional use permit for short-term rental at this property. Um, I have some experience with the short-term rental market here in Louisville also. I uh, have had a great experience. We've had 
excellent clients. Most of them come for uh, bourbon tourism and culinary tourism. Um, in my experience, I have learned how to screen for positive guests, good guests, and we've had absolutely no problems in the last year and a half. All the neighbors have been very supportive uh, and they've enjoyed meeting the guests that we have come through and we host mature um, groups typically at that property. And we intend to do the same thing at, at this property. Uh, we'll be marketing to the same uh, group of tourists for that bourbon and culinary uh, aspect that they like to come for. Um, as far as the location, it is an excellent location for short-term rental. It's close to the Expo Center. It's close to Churchill Downs. It's close to downtown. Uh, there are several neighborhood gyms within walking distance. There's Nord's Bakery, which we like to go to when we're working at the property, which we're renovating now. Uh, Zanzibar is also another one that uh, has a lot of concerts and also kind of an institution right there in the area. Uh, Center Gus and Heine Brothers Coffee also within walking distance. So it is an excellent location for, uh, for tourists. Uh, the proximity to the airport, also yet another feature. Uh, our relationship with the neighbors at Shelby Street, we've got a, uh, an excellent relationship with neighbors on both sides. Um, Danny next door to us, uh, he's uh, retired and he's always around and we talk to him quite a bit. He keeps an eye on things all the time. He's very excited about, um, about seeing guests come and go and uh, just uh, what the property will bring. Uh, on the other side, we have um, a, a younger uh, guy named Levi. He's also supportive. He came to our neighborhood meeting that we hosted earlier in the year. Uh, he was, I believe, our, our only attendee at that meeting, which we did host at Synergos right there um, uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, as far as management goes of this short-term rental, both Lee and I live close by. Uh, we're in the East End. I'm in St. Matthews. He's just off of Westport Road. Um, if any issues were to come up, which we don't anticipate any, but if, if any were to come up, we'll be uh, able to respond. And there's always one of us uh, that we would trade off responsibilities for that. That sums it up. Okay, members, any questions for Mr. Shadowin? Shadowin, you got other, you got other ones you say here in town? One I do, yes, in Old Louisville. And are you all partners on that one as well? We are not, that's me independently. Okay, and you decided to share the wealth. Okay, uh, and that's all gone well for you. The one, it's been excellent. Yes, our uh, a lot of a lot of times uh, people are uh, afraid of the short term rental nightmares per se, the parties and whatnot. We've had zero issues, knock on wood. But our clientele that we typically attract, they're um, they're always coming for the for the bourbon for the food. And our, the house over there is set up perfectly for it. The kitchen is set up well for it. The, the property is set up well. So we are planning to duplicate that here just on a smaller scale. Okay. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. So you would accommodate six guests as, as a maximum? As a policy, right. we'll do four, but legally we'll have a maximum of six, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so do your neighbors have your contact information in yes. the event they need to reach you? Yes. Okay. All right. How do you screen? You you mentioned you're screening for your guests and whatnot. To so that's uh, that's been just with experience. You'll see when the inquiries come in. Uh, they're the we're on two platforms, VRBO and Airbnb. Uh, they both have their own screening. Um, they they screen their the the people when they create accounts, and they have certain levels of verification. Like Airbnb has, uh, they'll they'll verify email. They'll verify uh, ID and several other things. 
what you'll also see is how long they've been a member of that platform, if they've been an Airbnb member for 10 years or if they just joined in 2023. Uh, those are things that are just small clues when you get those inquiries. Uh, we, we recently had um, uh, a local last minute inquiry and it was about a, a, a guy wanted to host for his brother's 21st birthday and we weren't able to uh, accommodate not uh, a good idea for that, yeah. for that one but you, you see those things when when they come in we uh, we have a policy of not allowing locals uh, just to prevent that party atmosphere it says that on our um, on the listing that those that those reservations would be canceled if they weren't uh, pre-approved by us of course there will be circumstances when uh, it might be somebody who's from louisville and moved away and is coming back that has a 502 area code or things like that but but uh it's with that experience that uh, you can tell the the ones that are going to be positive experiences from the ones that might not be okay do you have a carbon monoxide um and uh, smoke detectors we do will be uh at least at code if not above code on that because we'll have uh the hardwired with 10-year lithium battery backup for uh the uh common areas and in the uh, living spaces fire extinguisher yes all that okay great thanks mr shadowin have you received a copy of the staff report yes okay so you understand the requirement to register within 30 days if your cup is approved yes and to register every year um, to continue the short-term rental yes ma'am okay question <clears throat> oh go ahead please i'm okay. sorry yes um I guess to you as applicant, or maybe down to Amy, under D there, it says the uh, short-term rental uh, shall not be located closer than 600 feet. It doesn't say that it isn't, and I'm just wondering, it's a technicality there. Is it, it is, there is no other uh, CUP there that would disqualify you, is that correct? Yeah, uh, I can okay. interject. On page four of the staff report, after all the different items at the end of it, it says the proposed short-term rental will not be located closer than 600 feet. So, so the staff has made that finding. It's just at a different spot. Okay. Our staff Thank member you. could confirm that. I wouldn't ask an applicant whether or not they're in compliance with the 600-foot requirement. That's based on our records. It's just these. This stuff's new to us. This is the first time I've seen all this, so we're just all getting accustomed to it. It is. So if yeah. you look at my staff report so to be on standard number four, after all the lettered standards, there's an analysis. Rather than how we used to go through each line saying it was in compliance, there is one like staff finding at the very end that is a summary. Yeah, Thank and you. I think we have to speak up louder for Mr. Uh, important to hear what we're saying. Absolutely. So there's no uh, property within 600 feet. There's no short-term rental that has an approved CUP or any OR, OR1, OR2 properties. But uh, yeah, I didn't get these until super late this morning. Oh no, absolutely. So what I, I understand. For it says in there that, it, that it's uh, a requirement standard. It doesn't say that they're, they are not within the system. Right, so if you go to page four, it, it does spell out that there are no other short-term rentals with an approved CUP. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, all right. I don't like the new format. I just think it's gonna take me a couple times yeah. to, you know, because I'm just seeing it. I appreciate that. All of me too, I <laughs> thought the last page was standard. I didn't read that last yeah. paragraph. Okay, 
All right. So if there are, I don't have any other speaker cards. Um, I'm going to close the public hearing. We'll move into deliberations on the conditional use permit for the short term rental on Shelby. Any discussion members? If there is none, I'm ready for a motion. Madam Chair. Yes. With regard to case number 23 CUP 0087, the short term rental at 2222 South Shelby Street, I move that we approve the conditional use permit to allow short term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. I base this on the staff report, testimony, and discussion. I want to bring attention to the conditions of approval on page eight of eight that there will be a maximum of six guests allowed at any time and the applicant has 30 days to register the CUP. There a second. Second it forward. And moved and seconded to approve 23 CUP 0087. We're ready for vote. Horton. Yes. Budorf. Yes. Fozos. Yes. Ford. Yes. Howard. Yes. Bond. Yes. Mr. Shadow and your CUP has been approved. Next item 23 CUP 0089 Molly. West Kentucky short term rental West Kentucky street. Molly Clark, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street. <clears throat> Go to the next slide. So we're looking at a conditional use permit for a short-term rental uh, that is not the primary resident of the owner. This is going to be located in the TNZD. Next slide. Uh, so the location in TNZD is the single or two family residential. Uh, it is an existing duplex. The first unit has four bedrooms, which, al which allows for 10 guests. The other unit has one bedroom, which allows a total of four guests. Uh, there are no off street parking spaces, but there appears to be on street parking available. Next slide. Here's that zoning, the TNZD. Uh, within this buffer, you have the Sobro PD which is non-residential. Uh, next slide. Here's an aerial of the structure on the corner of first in West Kentucky. <clears throat> next slide. This is the 600 foot map. There are two duplexes within 600 feet. One duplex does have the owner living in one unit. The other duplex does not have the owner living in either unit. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, next slide. Uh, this is the duplex facing West Kentucky. Next slide. This is viewing the intersection of East Kentucky uh, and First Street. Next slide. So relief is needed for the 600 foot separation rule. Uh, like I said, there are two other conditional use permits, one that does have an owner living in one unit of a duplex. Uh, the applicant does, has not provided justification, but they may, they're here today, so they may be able to provide you some justification. 
Uh, and that justification needs to speak to either over concentration, whether or not it will be will cause over concentration in the area or affect the affordable housing stock in the area. Uh, if you've read the new regs, very wordy, I know, but there's parts in there about relief regarding uh, the property being located on a primary collector, which West Kentucky is a primary collector road. And then there's uh, a part that speaks to non-residential being within the 600 foot buffer, which there is non-residential within that 600 foot buffer. Uh, next slide. So required actions today are to approve or deny the conditional use permit to allow short-term rental that is not the primary residence of the host in TNZD. Do you all have any questions? So I just wanna make sure I'm understanding this uh, 600 foot map. So this means that there is another short-term rental that is not the primary residence of the owner within 600 feet Period, like there's another duplex that's being rented there's out at short-term other, rentals yeah. units. Is that that's right? correct. And then there's another one that is one unit is owner-occupied and the other one is short-term rental. That's correct. You nailed it. This would be the third or fourth within 600 feet? It would be the third duplex okay. within 600 feet okay. if approved. Okay. Thanks. And... This is a duplex that has four bedrooms in one, which would allow up to 10 guests. Yeah, and that's then correct. one bedroom in the other, which would allow up to four. So conceivably, there could be, if both were rented at the same time, 14 guests. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Okay. Members, any other questions for Molly? Thank you. All right, I have a speaker card for, for Blair Zook. Yes. Good afternoon, Mr. Zook. Good afternoon. You swear the testimony you're about to give today is the truth. I do. Name and address, please. My name is Blair Zook. Um, formerly from Kentuckyana, born and raised here. If it, not for, more, for my job, I would still be here, but I'm currently at 4824 Mount Durban Drive in San Diego, California. Thank you. Okay. Please proceed. So in the property is in a buffer zone that is thinning residential that blends in with commercial. Um, it's neighboring uh, Spalding University to the north, UofL to the south. Uh, laterally, east to west, there's a six block rectangle that has no CUPs within it. So there is a non-saturated area east to west, certainly. Uh, additionally, the sixplex that is uh, directly adjacent at 101 West Kentucky, and actually abuts right up to my property, uh, is usually vacant and um, almost perpetually vacant. I actually have some uh, 311 complaints against that property because of the state of disrepair and vacancy, uh, which I believe had con contributed to uh, the long-term vacancies that I have experienced uh, trying to rent this property long-term. Uh, since I've owned it, I have only reduced the rent. I have never raised it. In fact, I've reduced it upwards of 30% on both the front and the back unit. And I've had vacancies uh, up to three months at times. And, and note that I do have this property under property management. So um, it has uh, certainly been challenging to uh, maintain vacancy, uh, to say the least. Uh, 
Um, it just seems to be that there's a lack of interest in that particular area for long-term tenants for whatever reason. The tenants I have had have been um, typically corporate rentals for six-month minimum periods. Um, I did have some students that were uh, actors of the uh, Kentucky Center for the Arts when I originally purchased the, the property. Uh, they have since moved on, so uh, it has just been challenging to keep tenants in there for, for whatever reason. Um, during the, the meeting, uh, the public meeting, no one attended to uh, voice any opposition uh, to it. And as such, I do not believe that this location would hinder or impact housing supply uh, because of the things I've mentioned uh, with the high vacancy rates and the lack of interest uh, for long-term rentals. Uh, however, I can concede that uh, rather than uh, going for two, uh, both the front and the back unit, I can concede to reduce it to simply one unit um, rather than both units, uh, if uh, that would help ease the concern about density or parking or what have you. Which unit would that be? Uh, either one. Okay. Members, any questions for Mr. Zook? Do you have any other uh, Airbnbs that you're managing uh, or own? Uh, not currently. I have some experience in the past um, in San Diego. I had a studio that was part of my primary residence that I did uh, Airbnb for a, a period of time before I sold that property. And uh, I had no issues with it. Uh, again, I, I screened everybody myself and similar to the gentleman before me, I had no issues uh, with the way that uh, that property ran. And if I were to short-term rental this property, and again, I'm only looking for the option um, to short-term rental this particular property, it would be under property management. Okay. So you would work with the same property management company that you're currently working with? The current or someone that specializes in Airbnb particularly. Are there um, the carbon monoxide and smoke detectors and fire extinguisher, all the... All the things. Uh, yes, Are they currently all. furnished or not furnished? Uh, it's currently not furnished. Uh, the front unit was furnished, and uh, you know when it became vacant the last time, most of that furniture was in a state of disrepair, and uh, I emptied it. Okay. Okay. Thanks. I don't believe there are any other questions, Mr. Zook. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have a speaker card for Helga Ulrich. For timekeeping purposes, did we move in to opposition? We are moving into opposition, yes, okay. thank you. We also have an online speaker, so once Ms. Ulrich's done, if she's the only in person, we have somebody online. Okay, thank you. All right. Yes, if you raise your right hand, please. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Yes, it is. Name and address, please. I'll go over 112 East Ormsby Avenue. That's an old law. Please proceed. I'm speaking. I have three glaring reasons to deny this application. First one is the lack of parking. There are This property is sandwiched between three apartment buildings. One is on, on to the east of it, the other two are on the west of it, whether they're vacant or not. But in this Kentucky Street is a one-way street. Literally, there is no, none of these three buildings have any on-site parking. So every person that lives there relies on on-street parking. Now you picture 
you know, 12 or 14 people could be seven vehicles just for this one. The other ones don't have any. Think about also of the potential people that are coming there and all of a sudden they come at night and they have to park blocks away because Kentucky Street is a very busy street going to, towards the west, towards Spalding University. The other thing is, which you haven't heard, this property is for sale right now. And it, as of today, the sale is pending, which means none of this relates anymore because, and, and, and I can read you even, I track sales, no, I just, here is the, the, it says the current owner have applied for a COB and have a hearing set for sometime in August. The building could be a great long-term investment and an easy short-term rental if one or both units could be approved for that. In other words, it, 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 it's very much in flux. You don't even know who's going to buy it and where they're going to, where they're going to live. You don't know. And, and, you know, signing, you have to, the application, the, the license has to be signed within three months. If he signs it, it is not valid because he doesn't own it anymore by then. So that's, that's the key. And I, if you're interested, I can tell you what it, the application for the CUP was filed in December. Then there was another one, there were actually two files, and I don't understand the reason between one or the other. And the, the, in, in November, was one of the CUP applications was accepted in November. The, then the, one of them was, was withdrawn, and I couldn't find any information on, on that. The actual app, CUP was applied in March this year, but the sale of the property was 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 listed in July. I check real estate sales twice a week just because it fits with my database on, on short-term rentals because sometimes I can determine, you know, how they're selling and then how they're going to be loose for, for short-term rentals. The, you know, the current owner lives in California, so that doesn't fit very well either. And mingled up with this thing that it's selling, I think it's it makes no sense to, to sell it. There's, what I also know is in Beulah, the next Corsa hearing is another property that's coming up that's within a few houses, if you will, and that has is a much less imposing on the parking situation in the area. So there's much less chance of I would deny, I would suggest denying it. This one is is just in the wrong place with no parking. I think that's not a good idea. Plus all the real estate transactions that are pending. So I'm requesting that you deny this application for both properties. Thank you. Members, any questions for Ms. Ulrich? I have another speaker, then you'll have five minutes for rebuttal. All right. Um, I have Ann Ramser on the online. Uh, yes, I'm here. Okay, uh, Ms. Ramser, can you turn your camera on? The camera doesn't work on this computer. Okay, we'll proceed without it. Uh, would you raise your right hand? Yes. You swear that the, swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth. I do. Name, name and address, please. My name is Ann Ramser. I live at 307 East Kenwood Drive, Louisville, Kentucky, 40214. Uh, I, I don't think the property owner has adequately addressed the housing issue. Um, and I, I want the 600 foot rule uh, upheld. I mean, basically, if this gentleman gets his 
DUP today, you're going to have five units. Now, I realize that they're, they're duplexes, but it's five units that you're going to have that are going to be uh, B&Bs within 600 feet. I think that is saturating an area, and I want to go along with the, the prior speaker who spoke about the parking issues. I think those are concerns that, that need to be considered when you're uh, in business session, and I'm asking you to deny this DUP. Thank you very much. Any questions, members, for Ms. Ramser? All right. Hearing none, um, that's the last speaker card that I had to, uh, for opposition to the request. So, Mr. Uh, Zook, you have five minutes for rebuttal. Uh, certainly understand the concerns for the, uh, the folks in opposition. Uh, yes, the property is for sale currently. This is the second time I've actually listed it on the market uh, after some of the challenges that I described uh, renting the property since I've owned it uh, since 2020. I put it on the market last summer and obviously it was very hot market, still was not able to sell it, uh, partially due to the sixplex that's next door uh, with some of the issues that I described with the 311 complaints uh, with vagrants and, and squatters in that particular unit. They've actually tore down part of my fence to climb into the sixplex uh, to uh, house themselves in there and uh, that has, I think, deterred some of the um, uh, potential buyers and, and tenants. So um, it, it's on the market again, um, trying to make it more attractive to a potential buyer. Last year, it did not sell. I did not have the CUP when, it, when I pulled it from the market this time last year. That's when I started the application process. I believe some of the, um, I guess, some of the questions about uh, how the application was uh, um, uh, proceeded was I started with uh, I wasn't sure whether it needed to be unit one or unit two or both. Uh, Molly had me apply twice, once for both and once for each unit, I think. So I believe that's where some of the um, confusion may lie. But uh, so that's that's the complete transparent story. Um, I've lost a lot of money on this particular property. Um, I am listing it at quite a loss. I bought it for 395000 in 2020. It's currently listed for 375,000. There is a pending offer. It's a FHA offer. Um, I already had this hearing that I've been waiting for for the better part of a year. And as we know, um, sometimes offers fall through for various reasons. And I am concerned that the offer may fall through given the conditions of the property next door to it. That has been the major complaint uh, for potential buyers and tenants. Uh, and so here I am requesting leniency from the 600 foot rule um, for the reasons that I've stated and the reasons that Molly stated in her uh, presentation. So that's the full transparency of the situation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a small time operator. I don't have an LLC listed as you see here. My wife and I own this. Um, we are, uh, uh, again, I'm from this area. I invest in this area. This particular property has uh, not been a good investment for me and uh, certainly a lesson learned. And uh, and I'm, I'm hoping to move on from it. Now, if it does not sell, um, I'll try to put it, tenants in it again. But again, um, I've, I'm already uh, behind $20,000 from the initial purchase price, not to mention the months and months of vacancy uh, and the repairs that I've put into the property. It is a very nice property. Uh, if you ever look at the uh, Zillow pictures inside, 
Um, it's not a slumlord property by any means. Uh, the rest of the block besides 101 West Kentucky is very nice. The inside has been completely remodeled uh, at the, uh, by the previous owner, and I've only added to that with uh, structural repairs and things like that. So, um, you know, that's the full transparency of why I'm requesting relief. And if there are any further questions, uh, Mr. Zook, um, did you want to speak to parking issues, Ms. Olson? Yes. So, yeah, yes. particularly to parking. And as I mentioned, I could concede definitely to reduce the request from. Uh, both units to just the single and perhaps even the back, the back 1 bedroom unit would be sufficient. Um, I've been to the property several times. The street is never congested from street parking and I've never had any complaints from the tenants that I did have uh, on any concern. Uh, the front unit is 4 bedrooms and as I mentioned, uh, it did house students for the, from the Kentucky Center for the arts. And I believe there were 8 of them in there at 1 time 8 or 10. Never any concerns with parking at that time. Uh, they were there for. I think about 10 months when I owned it. So, but I could reduce certainly the request to just the, the back unit uh, to one bedroom. And I think that would uh, learn on the parking density. And management, you, you live in San Diego. Do you have a property manager? I have a property manager here. Okay. All right, members, any questions for Mr. Zilk? So a quick couple questions. Um, is your current offer contingent upon you having uh, Airbnb? It is not. Okay, good. Is the current property listed with a real estate agent? It is, Redfin. So besides what the $20,000 you've lost, you got to pay a commission. That's You're correct. upside down. Yep, that's correct. I'm going to walk away. I, I, I fail to, to understand if it's so bad next door, why someone would want to stay there as for an enjoyable night or weekend or whatever. How is this going to overcome your problem? Well, my plan is that the, the complaints and the hearing that is set in December and January, I believe it's January for the property next door will alleviate some of the concerns. Uh, if I look through the uh, Google Maps over the previous years for the property at 101 West Kentucky, it has not always been in that condition. And there were times where it was not in disrepair and it appeared to be of present uh, uh, presentable condition. So my hope is that by following the process that uh, was laid out to me and following the complaint with 311 that the property owner would take care of that and remediate the issues. So the, the that hearing is based on the 311 complaint and that's in? Well, I, I was not the only complaint. Uh, okay. I, mine was filed in addition to something that was already in existence from uh, my understanding and speaking with the property inspector. I see. Well, good luck to you. It's a tough you. position to be in. Uh, Mr. Zick, have you received a copy of the staff report? And do you understand the conditions? Yes. Okay, all right. Uh, and the need to register if this is approved within 30 days and then renew your registration every year. Yes, the planning okay. supervisor went through that okay. with me. All right. Um, I believe there are any other questions. So thank you. Thank you. At this point, uh, we'll close the public hearing and move into deliberation. Members, any discussion on the short-term rental at 103 West Kentucky Street? Chair Bond. Yes. Uh, I'd like to note that the staff report uh, was not supportive 
of the request. So should the board choose to approve the request, they will need to make their own findings. Thank you. Okay, you've heard from uh, Mr. Zook. You've also heard from uh, the two uh, individuals who are in opposition. Um, we know that one of the primary issues is the 600-foot rule. And the uh, Metro Council has taken um, the opportunity to provide some additional guidance on the 600-foot rule, which the board must consider in making a decision on a conditional use permit. So if everybody has a good understanding of that um, and there are no questions, ready for a motion. I just want to say that I'm sympathetic to this this couple's issues and, and, and what's happening to them. And we see and hear this all the time. And I just wish I could wave a magic wand and make all this go away. When you look at it, when you look at it without looking at personalities or what's going on, you almost, in my opinion, have to agree with the staff report. I mean, you know, if, if uh, and, and that's a tough place to be. Hopefully, um, hopefully his sale will go through and hopefully uh, if it or if that doesn't, then hopefully he will find some long-term renters and ride the storm until such time that the market does come back up. Unfortunately, with the high interest rates right now, everything's a little tilted, a little, you know. And the problem is to to make a decision based on that. Then we're just granting it. We're kicking that can on down the road for mm -hmm. for it to continue to go on where it shouldn't be going. So, unfortunately, the hard nuts and bolts of this, I think, I, I would have to vote against it. As for that, anyone else? Uh, the the main reason for, I think, any of us today is the new rules that Metro Council have approved um, and put in action, really. And for me, it would be that um, this is in a TNZD area. Is that my correct? TNZD area, right? And it's encapsulated by the 600-foot buffer uh, and said, and they said, under no circumstances shall the board re provide relief. So I don't see how we can. I am I in reading that correctly. So that's why Molly in the staff report kind of walked through the two that are within 600 feet. Because if you go down to the next section in sub two, it said the separation requirement should not apply to a property in which the conditional use permit is conditioned that they act as a host and maintain their primary residency within another dwelling unit. So one of the two is that. And one of the two is not. So for purposes, that's why you that's why we're even talking about reasons for potential relief. Is because of that that fact. That's why she spent when some you time say on two, you're talking about here. Right. Two on page, page three, of, three nine. of nine. There's that paragraph two. So what it says is the following exceptions to this separation requirement apply. And that's why Molly spent time talking about how there's two other duplexes. One really falls within this, you've got a grant justification for the 600 feet, but the other one really doesn't because it falls under owner, owner occupied. 2A or 2C. Um, yeah, so no, because if you, if you were at two, we wouldn't, have, we, we, we wouldn't be able to grant relief at all. So for, but for purposes of the 600 foot rule, it's really one. 
So theoretically, it could be, Most but but at the same time, you've got to look at one for the reasons for potential relief, which are things like it's adjacent to non-residential zoning districts, or there's some sort of buffer or barrier, um, or it's located on the perimeter, or there's a neighborhood plan. There wouldn't be in this case. Um, I don't I think there is a neighborhood plan that encourages short-term rentals, but that's more in case something comes in the future. But the staff report had recommended denial because they right. felt these reasons really hadn't been satisfied. But I also thought that because the adjacent properties have already have short-term rentals, right? And they have the, uh, wait a minute, what am I trying to say? I got to go back to the front of the staff report. They were duplex units, were they not? Yeah, there were two, but I don't know that they were adjacent. They're just within the 600 feet. Well, that's what I mean, within mm -hmm. the 600 foot rule. And I thought we couldn't do that because we couldn't approve it because of the them being within the 600 foot rule. Lou, I think you're you're thinking of that part of the regulation where if it's all residential within the 600 foot, it can't move forward. But if there's non-residential, if it's separated by a primary collector, you can move forward. But it's up to you all and them providing justification. And then. Kentucky Street is considered a primary connector. Yeah, that's correct. It's a primary collector level road. Give relief, technically. Yeah, so they're allowed to move forward. But if that whole buffer was all residential, uh, it, you wouldn't see it here today. Let me clarify the separation requirement because we may have to reorganize this to get to the intent a little bit more. If this one is subject to the 600 foot separation requirement, if somebody wants to approve this, they're going to have to find that it meets A, B, C, or D in order to provide relief. So on page three, so it can't meet D because there's no neighborhood plan in this area that suggests that short-term rentals are appropriate. So it's really A, B, or C in this instance. What that's meant to do with the collector, the idea of that is very clear on the intent is it's if the other short-term rental within 600 feet is across the, on the other side of the collector, it doesn't just mean you're on a collector. It means it's divided by a collector so, or some other major road so that reasonably one property wouldn't be impacted by both of them. So I just want to make it clear you can't just decide it's on Kentucky Street and it satisfies that. That's not the intent of that. It's, it would be the intent of it if all the other rentals in that buffer on the other side of it. Now, you could, there is some interpretation of what is adjacent. You could find that it meets A because it is near commercial and they didn't pin that down to, you know, any particular distance. They wanted the board to have discretion on that on a case-by-case -case basis, um, along with C. If, it, if the one of the other ones are on the perimeter, it didn't define what that meant. That's at your discretion on a case-by-case -case basis. I thought I understood all of this yesterday. Now today I don't. <laughs> it's a lot. It's new. It's different. It sounds like the, the uh, three or four home houses that are adjacent um, on that on Oak Street that they face on Oak right are trouble trouble spots anyway and then if this is going to be difficult to sell and or if somebody come buys it and then tries to make it a short-term rental it's just gonna i mean it just seems like that corner is going to be a perpetual corner uh 
difficult corner to settle down and it seems like some stability on the corner would be better for the community right mm -hmm. and instead of a revolving door of and yeah and having a don't know having two re uh, short-term rentals on one floor is not uh, going he, he might you know in all good faith um, agree to have you know six people or eight people whatever a smaller number of people but it's it's for sale you don't know what's going to happen uh, and if we agreed to let him put that in the contract that it um, that it's been approved as a short-term rental then you know I, I wouldn't want to be responsible for that situation Johnny? Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation for the for the applicant, but I mean, the way I see it, reading the policy and whatnot, it just it doesn't make sense because there's already multiple within the 600 foot area. I agree. Andrew, so the information leans us toward the direction of no. Everybody, everybody yeah, here, Mr. Speaking to your mic. I had trouble hearing what you said. <laughs> so in my opinion, the preponderance of the information simply leads us to the decision of no to deny. <clears throat> in my opinion. <laughs> Madam Chairman, regarding case 23 CUP 0089 short-term rental at 103 West Kentucky Street, I make a motion that we deny the conditional use permit in front of us. I base this on the staff report, the staff analysis, and the staff recommendation, as well as the stricter guidelines that have come from Ordinance 130 from the Metro Council. I also want to include the testimony we've heard from the owner as well as the opposition. Second, Ford. It's been properly moved and seconded uh, to deny the continued use permit conditional use permit. And did you want to clarify that that there hadn't been adequate justification for waiver of the 600 foot rule provided? I, I, I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, it, as stated. The second still stands. Yeah, as amended. Yes. All right. Um, been moved and seconded to deny the conditional use permit for 103 West Kentucky Street. Uh, please call for vote. Horton? Yes. Ludorf? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The conditional use permit has been denied. Thank you. Next item is conditional use permit for a short-term rental of a dwelling unit at 332 South Bailey Avenue. Jeremy. <clears throat> Jeremy Chesler, 
uh, Office of Planning Staff, 444 South 5th Street, 40202. <clears throat> this is 23 CUP 0109, South Bailey Avenue short-term rental. Uh, the request is for a conditional use permit to allow short-term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. <clears throat> this is in the R5 zoning district and the traditional neighborhood form district. Uh, it is a one bedroom unit with, which would allow a maximum of four guests. Uh, so the principal structure is the primary residence of the owner and the accessory apartment above the garage will be used uh, to host short-term rentals. Uh, so that accessory apartment was approved uh, May 2021 under 21 CUP 0224 or 0024. And so there was no language in that prohibiting that property or that dwelling unit from being used as a short-term rental. Um, <clears throat> and then the applicant has stated that there are two parking spaces in the garage, as well as the LDC has given credit for the one on-street space there. So this is the zoning map. You can see R5 traditional neighborhood uh, residential surrounding it. Then the aerial photograph. Um, so you can see along Bailey Avenue, there's the principal structure with the white roof. And then towards the alley is the accessory structure with the um, accessory apartment in that. The front of the subject property in the middle there. Next slide, please. There's just a different view showing um, the accessory structure with the yellow arrow and then the principal structure, primary residence with the green, <clears throat> green arrow. Uh, so top left is gonna be the properties to the left of the subject property on Bailey Avenue and bottom right is to the right of the subject property along Bailey Avenue. Uh, cross the street of the other properties on Bailey Avenue. Staff finds that the proposal is adequately justified for approval based on staff's analysis contained in the standard review. Uh, it does meet all standards for the conditional use permit for short-term rentals. And so the required actions will be to approve or deny conditional use permit to allow short-term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. Any questions? And there is only one bedroom, correct? Yes, that is my understanding. Okay. Yes. All right. Any questions for Jeremy? Thank you. Thank you. I have a speaker card for Kirk Candle. Mr. Candle, come on. Hello. Good afternoon. Do you raise your right hand? Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Yes, I do. Name and address, please. My name is Kirk Candle, 332 South Bailey Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. Please proceed. Yes, I'd just like to start. Thank you, Madam Chairman and uh, board. Um, I would like to congratulate the staff for a very trying time while all these regulations have changed. And um, it's been an exercise in patience for me over the last year, uh, getting this um, conditional use permit for the short-term rental. I initially built this um, structure um, to accommodate 
my um, uh, my daughter has a four-year-old grandson for me down in, in Clifton, which is just a stone's throw away. And all these uh, relatives uh, come up and enjoy the space, and uh, it's been really a joy. Uh, in addition, across the street, neighbor has some uh, relatives in uh, Australia, and they came and stayed for about three weeks. So it's been already very productive uh, just among friends and family. But um, given the cost of, of the structure and so forth, I think it's a, it's a, you know, a nice gem there on the alley. Um, I, I, you know, I thought, well, you know, it'd be great to, when, when it's not in use by family and friends to, to use it for, um, uh, you know, a, a little bit of extra income. I'm 72 and a social security recipient. <laughs> so um, I, I'd like to just say that, um, that in the course of this, I discovered that, that those of us in our neighborhoods have to police this. And I'm one of those people, my wife and I live on the, in the house, and we're going to treat this like um, a real strict um, dorm parents. <laughs> you know, anybody who's coming to visit with us is going to behave themselves, you know. Um, and I, I, we live in a wonderful neighborhood, very walkable. It's got all these amenities up and down Frankfurt Avenue. So uh, it's really attractive. But, you know, I, I have found along the way that there are people, even on my own street, who were just basically, you know, using uh, a number on on the Airbnb form to uh, rent an exact duplicate of what I have. I mean, actually, the same accessory dwelling unit above a garage. I had to call three one one several times. They did take down the listing a couple of times, and they were right back at it. Now I, I have to check every once in a while to see if they're still doing it, but, but there is no enforcement. And meanwhile, I'm thinking that no good deed goes unpunished at, after spending like $700 or whatever on, on this on this application fees and so forth. And the registration fee, which I'm glad to pay, I found that my neighbor was do, do, doing none of that. So I just want to urge the the board and and the staff to find resources to um, to police this a lot better, because if you go out there on Airbnb and VRBO, you're going to find people who are who are just running slipshod on this and not doing any of the things that I've done. And and I'm your biggest advocate. I'm one of those people who want you to enforce these regulations. So just my two cents. Thank you. How are we doing? <laughs> not not so well, apparently, <laughs> in terms of the enforcement issue. Yeah. But I don't blame the staff. I mean, when you have like one person sitting there trying to go through all these listings and see if any of these are legit, I mean, that's a pretty big chore. So the staff is making progress. It's just uh, yeah. I'm, my hat's off to him. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, members. Any questions for Mr. Candle? Yeah. Do you have the um, uh, smoke detector, carbon monoxide, and so fire extinguisher? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're wired, um, especially since there's a garage underneath. Uh, you know, there's it's they actually require in the building of it. They require a fire rated board to separate the garage from the uh, occupancy. The dwelling. You might might actually want to quiz people on the structure that they're uh, building a garage with a uh, accessory dwelling unit above. It has to have fire rated board between the two. So. You know, that's not, this might might not always be the case. I don't know. How was the uh, neighborhood meeting? How many people attended? I think you know? I had three or four. I, I, I submitted the sheet. Um, neighbors I know 
And one felt a little betrayed because my initial conditional use permit to build the property, uh, I had said that I really didn't intend to use it as short-term rental, and I didn't. Um, but now seeing that it, it hasn't been used that much, and that I can you know fill in with some occasional Airbnb um, type of uh, short-term rental, I, I've changed my mind on that. But other than that, we've talked since, and I think there's there's no misunderstanding. That was the only negative that I heard. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good looking building. Pardon? It's a nice looking building. Oh, works. thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. That uh, I have no other speaker cards. So at this point, I'll close the public hearing. We'll move into deliberation on three thirty-two South Bailey Avenue. Members, any discussion? Or is someone ready to make a motion? Okay, Madam Chair, I'd like to make a motion to approve uh, case number 23-CUP-01009. Uh, it's a an application for short-term short rental located 332 South Bailey Avenue and um, based on the testimony we've heard today and the um, staff findings, the staff report and all the testimony, um, I would ask that we uh, approve the conditional use permit to allow a short-term rental of a dwelling unit that is not the primary residence of the owner. In the conditions, there are three conditions on the page eight of eight that would all be um, approved as written. Second, Vozos. It's been moved and seconded to approve 23 CUP 0109-332 South Bailey. Please call for vote. Horton. Yes. Mudorf. Yes. Bozos. Yes. Ford. Yes. Howard. Yes. Bond. Yes. Yes, Mr. Candle, your CUP has been approved and you did get a copy of the staff report, correct? With, with all the stipulations about registration and renewal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Renew Appreciate that every it. year. Okay. Um, that's the uh, last case for today. Uh, we do have one other agenda item. You've all been provided a copy of the 2024 public meeting dates. Um, so you can see those for the Board of Zoning Adjustment. We have two, three special meetings um, in January, and, and that's because of the holiday falling on our... And I'll um, note that if you approve them on this, they're... Um, technically a regular meeting you're setting your regular meetings for the next year they're just not on the normal schedule because we try to avoid that first week of january okay um and then for members that haven't voted on these public meeting dates these are just the dates that we use to establish our agendas we might still call for additional special meetings or cancel for example the july 29th meeting that's the third meeting in, in a month. Hopefully we won't need that one. 
Um, we will need the January 29th meeting. We discussed that because of the the issue with catching up with the short-term rental conditional use permits and the revocation hearings. We just are going to have to put in some work in January. But um, apart from that, we don't think there's any conflicts with holidays. We know there's not any conflicts with federal holidays. If you, we miss something and it's like a religious holiday or something, that we find that we can usually persevere with quorum um, one way or the other. Okay. All right. Um, is there a motion to approve the public meeting dates for the Board of Zoning Adjustment for 2024? Madam Chair, regarding 2024 public meeting dates for the Board of Metro Board of Zoning Adjustment, I move we approve the dates as listed. Is there a second? Second it. Board. Ready for a vote. Horton? Yes. Butterworth? Yes. Bozos? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Font? Yes, the dates have been approved. Thank you. Is there a motion to adjourn? Oh, yeah. Make a motion to adjourn. Second. All right, we are adjourned. Great meeting.